This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode of Keeping Carlson is sponsored in part by FanDuel. The end of the regular season is here, but daily fantasy hockey on FanDuel rolls on. FanDuel has something for everyone, including new contests every day starting at just $1. And now you can still take on Elon and I in our Keeping Carlson Listener League. Our contest opens Tuesday morning to run on Tuesday night's games. Check out FanDuel.com slash K-A-R-L for all the details and to join. FanDuel.com slash Carl. See you there. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, 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 hoj här kommer Carlson, 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 ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. This is the last episode of the regular season for Keeping Carlson. I'm very excited. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me, as always, is the forecasting fanatic, the rotisserie robot, the IPP MVP, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. Uh, a couple things I'm learning right at the start of the show. One, Elon's energy in person is infectious. We are in the same room for the first time. All season. So two hosts, one mic tonight. <laughs> and uh, I'm also learning that when Elon wants to call all the nicknames, he swipes right on his mouse pad on his computer and he has a sticky note, like a digital sticky note that has all the nicknames that he runs down. It doesn't seem like the most efficient system, Elon, but I'm glad you have it. And I'm glad everyone's here listening. We've got a great, a fun show. It's not going to be edited. Yeah, okay, a couple notes before we get started. Brian and I are in the same room, like I said, and we're going to go to our meetup with the Ottawa patrons, oh, and listeners, after the show, so we're not going to have time to edit. So if you make a mistake, you're going to hear it. But hopefully we won't make any mistakes. It's going to be great. Also, since we're near the end of the year, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We made this a mailbag show, so we are also going to be taking some questions that we had, and we've got some good answers prepared, I hope, and I'll just talk a bit about what happened over the last week. But at the same time, keep in mind, we're not going to go too in-depth. We're going to make this a more fun, light show, and we'll see how it goes. I hope you guys have a good time. Let's make a couple of announcements. Actually, before we do that, let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com. They've been with you all season long, hopefully leading you to your championship, which you've maybe clinched tonight. It is the best fantasy hockey website out there. You check it out every day for daily ramblings. You're, it's going to even still be going all summer long with articles, just like how we're going to be keeping doing podcasts all summer long. They're going to keep writing articles about which players you know to expect to do better next year, who are going to be some good sleepers, who's going to be disappointing. It's all there. Plus, you've got all your tools, starting goalies, line combinations. I guess you don't need that too much in the summertime, but I still like it. I like to mention it. DauberHockey.com. Check it out. Okay. So we've got so much to talk about this show. And I'm going to start 
with the most boring segment, which is announcements time. <laughs> wow, housekeeping. <laughs> housekeeping. Here we go. So scheduling. We are going to do an episode next Sunday as well. It's going to be on the day, the last day of the regular season, when only Boston and Florida are playing. And apparently some leagues have that game counting, some don't. If you're in a league where your platform doesn't have that game counting, I think you should just do yourselves a favor and make it count, right? It's a real game in the season. Like, there was a previous game canceled. Like, count it up yourself if you have to. I think that's the fair way to do it. Um, but anyway, we're going to do a show that Sunday. We're definitely not going to have too much to talk about. We'll like talk about the playoffs, what we think is going to happen. And then we're going to be doing a live playoff draft with the couple winners. So we've been having the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League going all season long. 15 divisions. So there's going to be 15 winners, two of them right on this show, actually. Wow. Congratulations, Brian, this on your the, win. This this year sets a record for the most couple championships won by Keeping Carlson hosts. Yeah, it's very exciting. But anyways, we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. But anyways, we're going to reach out to the couple winners and have them do our live draft for the show. So that's the show for next week. Then the following Thursday, April 12th, we're going to have the first ever, well, the second ever Keeping Carlson hot takeoff. The first ever one that we're inviting everyone to participate in. A hot takeoff. If you don't know what it is, we're going to have people submit their quote-unquote hot takes, and then a panel of judges, myself, Brian, and a cool guy, Dave Benton, who you may have heard before. We're going to be judging the takes, giving them scores out of 10. And just to give you a hint, the winner of our patron hot takeoff that we did around Christmas time was Alex P. He gave a take saying that he thinks that Wheeler is more valuable in fantasy than Jamie Ben. And you know the reason why we gave it such a high score, because for a, a take to be good and win the hot takeoff, it's got an A, be hot it's gotta make you think oh that's against the conventional wisdom that's something that most people don't think like jamie ben's usually drafted ahead in blake wheeler in all drafts but it's also a take that has some merit behind it like when you think about it you actually look at the argument that does seem right and alice was totally right by the way this year like as the season went on jamie ben has 71 points in 79 games, so less than a point per game. Meanwhile, Blake Wheeler has 87 points in 78 games. He's been crushing it. I wonder if next year people will take note and draft Blake Wheeler ahead of Jamie Ben. And also, we'll have to find out who's going to win that hot takeoff. So if you have a hot take that you want to submit, you can start sending them right now to the guy who's going to be hosting it, John Reed, at kktakes at gmail.com. So KK, that sounds for keeping Carlson kktakes at gmail.com. Send in your hot takes. We'll have a prize for the winner of the hot takeoff. We probably need to send Alex a prize. So remind us, Alex, that we owe you a prize. And then also we'll come up with something for the winner of our next hot takeoff. So that's first announcement scheduling. Uh, um, the next one, actually, let's leave it. Let's, let's mention it later, Brian. Let's get into the show. We'll save it for the end. And just uh, just for context with the Wheeler-Ben debate, if that's still going, uh, Blake Wheeler is two points away from matching Jamie Ben's career high of 89 points that he set in 15-16. So uh, it seems like he could very well do it over the last four Winnipeg games. It doesn't automatically make him better than Ben, but looking at their point totals from the last three years, it's a it's a very close race between the two, closer than you'd think if you weren't paying close attention to our show. All right, so let's get started. We have some mailbag questions. So last week, we asked people to submit questions they want Brian and I to discuss on this, I guess, penultimate episode of the regular season. I said last episode of the regular season before. This is the last one where we're going to be talking about stuff happening next week. Let's get into some of these questions. Let's start with a question from John Mark, who asked, are there certain areas of your fantasy games that you're targeting for improvement in the offseason? Certain stats that you want to put more weight into or big picture lessons you hope to draw from from past seasons, for example. So Great question. Always useful at the end of the year to look back. It's like, what have I learned? What can I do to become a better fantasy player? Of course, in my case, now that I've won 
tier two Ottawa of the couple. I mean, I've pretty much hit the pinnacle. How can I be any better, right? Like I faced off against some of the smartest people and I beat them. I had, by the way, Brian, if, oops, I hit something and we're not editing. That's a shame. Brian, I wave my hands around too long while we record. Uh, I had a very tough road. I want to say I may, I didn't get the buy. It's been six weeks of grueling matchups against Brett and then Dustin and now Anthony, three really hard matchups. I'm exhausted but, okay, I do have some lessons, but I just, I just wanted to put in a little non-humble brag. What's the opposite of a humble brag? Just, I just wanted to brag. Uh, a, a hubristic brag. Yeah. Okay, so, I don't know, one lesson that I've learned that I want to throw out there. Am I going to talk this episode? All right, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just, like, I'm just asking. Go ahead. You're, like, you're hogging the mic. We have one microphone to share. Uh, go ahead. And I have, well, you asked, like, how, how could you, like, what better could you do than, than winning Tier 2 of the Cupful? Perhaps winning Tier 1 of the Cupful is the next challenge for you. Someone else has done that who you know very well, and uh, I think it's harder than what you did. All right, well, fair enough. Brian, congratulations for winning tier one of the Cacuffle, but let's get some advice already. We're 10 minutes into the show. Okay, congrats, Mike C, for an excellent finals matchup. I was very scared of your team. Actually, someone ranked, like, all the teams based on, like, difficulty, took a lot of things into account. I think, was it Chris? I don't know, but it was a really cool... It was amazing statistical analysis of all the teams in the Cacuffle, and... Uh, Mine was ranked higher than yours. And Mike's team was ranked higher than mine, too, just by a little bit. Okay. But uh, let's good for him. The, let's get okay. the advice. Okay. All right. What are you targeting? Can I talk? Do you want me to just go first? You go. Oh. All right. So. Oh, off-season improvements. Yes. That's right. the question. you were being so cocky, like, you don't need to make any. Yeah, but I, I do have some things I was okay. going to throw out there. You first. So I would say one lesson that I've learned. It's something that I've already thought of, but I felt it even more this year. I think we all have with the way goalies have been so random. Like Holtby hasn't been very reliable. Carey Price, we know what happened with him. Even like Matt Murray, like all the guys who we thought were going to be amazing have been like not that great. And then all these guys who we weren't expecting much from at all going into the year, like Marc-Andre Fleury, Roberto Luongo, like, the list goes on, right? Connor Hellebuck, they ended up being the most valuable goalies. So one thing I've definitely learned is to not value goalies too much in the draft. And you have to just kind of accept the fact that goalies are going to be kind of random. So you might as well get one later and grab yourself a more sure thing skater. So that's one lesson that I've already kind of thought, but now I've really learned. And then I'd say the other one lesson that I've sort of learned is I really like the idea of targeting shots on goal and power play points in the draft. Like, I just feel like you get those guys who are going to give you a bunch of shots and good things come from it. I don't know, like that's just kind of a lesson. I don't know if it's too valuable, but I think like I'd always take a shots guy over an assist guy because shots, then you've got that category. You don't have to worry too much about that. That leads to goals, leads to some assists. Just because you take a lot of shots, you're getting rebounds that other people are putting up. Usually these high shot guys are on the power play. So I just feel like a lot bleeds from just like if you were to rank all the people by shots on goal and make that your draft list, I'll bet you you do really well. Like Obviously you have to take more into account, but I think that would be a really good starting point. I'm just uh, like, I'm having this thought now about prioritizing shots and power play points as like those are actually like they might also be the things that are less streaky in real nhl so like in real nhl for fantasy value so like you can find a guy throughout the season all the time someone who's scoring goals unexpectedly scoring assists unexpectedly but usually guys like don't go on like crazy short-term runs and shots on goal or crazy runs and power play points usually those are are pretty constant like a two shot guy doesn't suddenly become like a six or seven shot guy for a couple of weeks at a time. The same way like a, a 20 goal guy might turn into a 40 goal guy for a two week period. So for that reason, that might be uh, a good way to consider valuing shots and power play points as like as being harder to attain during the regular season or harder to find those guys who are streaking. Uh, my lesson learned 
is that, well, Duncan Keith embodies the lesson for me to learn this year. I mean, first off, super unfortunate shooting percentage. Elon, you posted a stat on our Facebook group earlier today. It was about how Duncan Keith is two games away if he doesn't score a goal. Yeah, he might be in line for the worst ever shooting percentage that's not zero. So he's scored one goal this year. And if he doesn't score a goal for the rest of the year, he might have the worst ever shooting percentage of any, was it player or defense? I don't know, something pretty fun where we're going to have a good time cheering for Duncan Keith to not score a goal. At one point, it was looking like he could break a record of the most shots without scoring a goal. Then he did score that one goal. And then right now we're going to see if he's going to have the worst ever shooting percentage. And it is amazing, as Dustin, one of our patrons mentioned, uh, Keith could up could put up 2.3 shots per game and only score a single goal. Like, so it's not like he's, he's a pretty, like for a defenseman, he shoots regularly enough. Uh, And Dustin also mentioned the current record is held by Alexei Zitnik, who put up 150 shots and one goal in 82 games for Buffalo in 01-02. So that's, uh, that's an exciting thing to be looking at over the rest of the season. Anyway, my lesson related to Duncan Keith, like I, I actually, I drafted him in a couple leagues thinking he was fantastic value, like generally an unheralded, oh, we're not editing. Okay. Generally an unheralded defenseman who is good for like 45, 50 points, plays on a top power play that's reasonably dangerous and uh, people don't really notice him. They're too enamored with the rest of the Chicago lineup or the Chicago, or the Chicago forward group anyway. Um, but Duncan Keith was really seemed like he was hamstrung by the Nicholas Dalmarson departure. Uh, and actually, I have more Chicago talk later when we're going to talk about uh, their goalie situation. But that was one thing where Dalmarson was a key defensive piece on that blue line. And the Blackhawks didn't really bring anybody in who could replace his defensive abilities. So Duncan Keith sort of got that burden placed on his shoulders and was able to produce less. Uh, so that was one lesson I learned. I, I guess the lesson, the moral of the story is consider what how a player's role might change to the next year. I did not see Duncan Keith's role changing at all, but I maybe should have been able to, seeing that he was one of few qualified defensive defensemen left on the team. Yeah, I guess in general, most people who are doing projections for the following season statistics, like we had Dom Lushishin on earlier on, and his whole projection system is based on weighting the number of points they got in the previous year, the previous two years, previous three years, like doing a bunch of math with that, but it doesn't really account for these big changes. And Duncan Keith, you know, he didn't go to a new team. He still, you assumed were go- was going to be on the top power play, but yeah, it was this like external force on Chicago that really ended up hurting him or so. It seems obviously the low shooting percentage contributed as well, but also, yeah, I and mean, we didn't expect that he would end up getting bumped from the top power play for guys like oh man now off the top of my head i don't remember jordan osterley osterley and Kobe then franson gustafson eric gustafson jan did rian ruta even get a turn i don't know i think he got a couple points at the beginning of the year i don't know if he actually took the power play anyways yeah some good lessons let us know i'd be curious to know what other people's lessons are tweeted us at keeping carlson hashtag lesson no you don't need to do that. <laughs> uh i my other i'm just gonna echo your lesson elon i drafted two goalies in the cup for this year ben bishop for like 28 dollars which was reasonably high and then mike smith for 11 dollars and we know who provided the better value of those two. Uh, The point is that like, for me, a workhorse is worth paying for, but there can be cheap workhorses and there's enough variance in goalie performances, especially in a week to week league uh, that uh, you might not need to spend big. So I will continue to not necessarily invest too heavily in goalies unless like my hand was sort of forced in the cupful. I wanted two workhorses and that was the cost of doing business, but there were some other reasonably priced goalies for under $15. It was an auction draft, which is why I'm giving these dollar values. Anyway, it's essentially the same thing as you, Elon. Don't waste resources at the start of the season on goalies. 
Yeah, and of course, we don't want people to go too far in the other direction, like not draft a goalie at all. Like it depends on your settings. It depends on what's kind of saves are counted. Then you definitely want a goalie who's going to play a lot. But yeah, maybe like this year, for example, if you got Varlamov versus Ben Bishop, you ended up getting a goalie who was better. And most people would have wanted Bishop over Varlamov, even though you thought their team was going to be worse. So just something to keep in mind. But keep your league settings in, you know, in mind for sure. Yeah, I do know one of our listeners, Jeff, uh, he had Laner, like he went really... He went big on the budget goalie option. This was not this year, the year before. Laner and someone else, I can't remember who, but they both really stunk. So like, if you take that tack, you also have to roll the dice and win that gamble. Yeah, but the thing is, you're also rolling the dice. You could have taken Carey Price yeah. this year, and he stunk just as bad as Robin Laner. So might as well, at least if you're rolling the dice on a starting goalie, don't draft them in the first round or don't like spend all of your auction dollars on them if it's going to be a roll of the dice either way. And even if you might be thinking, okay, Carey Price was on a bad team, so I could have predicted that. Could you have predicted that Braden Holpe wouldn't be getting starts in your fantasy playoffs? Like he was on a good team and he'd been a good goalie forever. So it just goes to show how hard it is to predict. And maybe this one year is an aberration, but we've seen it in previous years. Bobrovsky, no one expected him to do anything last year. He was going to be a tier five, tier six guy. He ended up being one of the most valuable goalies both last year and this year. Who knows? Maybe next year Bobrovsky is going to stink and someone who we've written off, Carey Price, will all of a sudden be like the top goalie again. Too hard to predict. Okay, let's go to our next question. Dave for Knight tweeted us and then emailed us. It's a big question, but I'm going to break it down for you guys. This is a keeper question. And I think it's fun just to, in general, discuss this idea. As we go into the summer, a lot of people are going to be having to make this decision of who to keep on their teams. And it really does come down to a lot of like, do I want to worry about youth or do I want to worry about guys who are going to help me sooner or or later you know it's the idea like oh should i keep someone like well and this one's actually more about who to draft but in general that's like a big question so we're gonna have a few questions like that so this guy day for night he's in a league he keeps a bunch of people six forwards four d one goalie and he's got some great forward keepers mcdavid shifley line marner forsberg and ehlers then great d keepers hedman barry Oliver Ekman Larson and McAvoy, who McAvoy, I don't know. Like, we'll see. Like, behind Tory Krug, it's hard to expect too much from him. If Tory Krug ever gets injured, it's a great situation for McAvoy. And then Dubnik as his goalie. Anyways, in an interesting turn of events, he has first pick overall next year. So basically, the one of the players he doesn't keep, if he wants, he could always basically keep that guy because he'll be able to get him with the first overall pick. So he has Ryan O'Reilly and Ryan Getzlaff as players that he doesn't have to keep, but he could potentially draft them first overall. But Or his other option is to draft Rasmus Dahlin first overall, which is the guy who's going to be actually drafted in the real NHL draft first overall. And a lot of people expect him to be a great value defense, not value defense, like a great defenseman in the league. And he's going to help a lot of teams offenses. Why wouldn't you want to grab that guy as a keeper now and then keep him for the rest of his career? Like the people who did that with Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid are obviously very happy about that. But at the same time, this league counts hits. So Ryan Getzlaff, or like it counts faceoffs also. So Getzoff and Ryan O'Reilly are super valuable and you know they're going to be just great for your team next year. Darlene, like we'll have to wait and see obviously who he gets drafted by, but he's a rookie defenseman. Like what can you really expect? And we've seen some great rookies before. And I would say, Brian, my advice, and I actually did reach out to Cam Robinson, the associate editor at Dauber Hockey and Dauber Prospects to ask him what he thinks about Darlene. So I'll say that in a second, but I want to throw out first and maybe you could talk and then I'll say what Cam said is in general, I think you have to think a little bit about your league. Like someone like Darlene, like I would compare it to Nico Heischer maybe. Like where did Heischer get drafted in your league last year? Was he drafted in the first round? It, do, do, does everyone go and draft these prospects, guys who haven't even played games in the NHL early on in your draft? In that case, it might be worth it to get a guy like that because maybe you'd still be able to get a Ryan Getzlaff or a Ryan O'Reilly later on. So that's something to consider. And so I know that's I'm not helping you and giving you an answer. And maybe at the end, we could actually give the answer. But the thing is that we don't know the context of your league. So it's hard to tell you an answer. I like the idea 
of trying to win now. And I know sometimes like it could burn you in the long run, but who knows if your league's even going to be running in the long run, right? So I kind of like the idea of just grabbing like Ryan Getzloff, let everyone else, let everyone else like go after these prospects who are maybe going to get you like 35, 40 points and you get someone who's going to be guaranteed helping you. Brian, what do you think? Uh, between like, so the decision again is Getzlaff or Ryan O'Reilly or uh, Darlene. I, like you said, Elon, I'd also be curious to know the value of, Entry draft first overall players in the past. Like, we're not making this decision in a vacuum. When you're picking, like, a lot of the times when people are asking me, especially in a keeper context, which player uh, should I pick between these two? My answer is almost always the one who will be the hardest to reacquire later. So, if it's really hard to get those young studs, then now's your chance. Uh, If it's really hard to get helpful players with some experience under their belts, well, then you lean that way. Um, So like if your league has a record of prioritizing prospects over experienced players who have already fulfilled their upside uh, and are likely to continue doing that, um, that's uh, that's something to consider. And knowing what type of player goes in your first round historically, like use your league's history to make that decision. Where have guys like Nolan Patrick, Nico Hishier, Austin Matthews, Patrick Liney gone over the last couple of years? The fact that Dalene is a defenseman may help him drop further in your draft than any of those guys. I'm not about to make any comparisons. I'm not about to say that I know a ton about Jonathan Darlene, but look Rasmus. back at, oh, sorry, Rasmus Darlene. Uh, look back at Victor Hedman, who was a, essentially a 25 point player, 20 to 25 point player for the first three years of his career. And then uh, sort of took off from there, but still like then a 40 point step and a bit of a hesitation until just the last two years where he's been a superstar. I'm not saying Darlene's going to follow the same arc, but you have to be conscious of that happening. It's not often that an Eric Carlson comes along. So even though that's the easiest comp to make for an offensive defenseman with a lot of pedigree, uh, it's very, very rare to happen. Um, given that the team, like your team, you have Hedman, Barry, Ekman, Larson, McAvoy on keeper uh, as your keepers. Uh, you look pretty deep. Darlene would could be a keeper upgrade over McAvoy. Like you said, Elon with Krug ahead of him. There's not a lot of daylight there. Um, while O'Reilly and Getzlaff would be picks with the one-year lens in mind, given that you have an excellent group of keeper forwards already. I think, like, what it comes down to is asset value. So if you can, like, if you can draft, say, Rasmus Dahlin, and then flip him for a package where you get better than Ryan O'Reilly or Ryan Getzlaff, then that's, like, the ultimate move to make here. Yeah, exactly. So if you know that the players are going to be valued, that's brilliant, Brian. If you know that Darlene's going to be valued higher than Getzlaff or O'Reilly, then yeah, draft Darlene for sure, then swap him for Getzlaff and O'Reilly or like one of them and someone else. I think in general, one sort of idea in keeper leagues, I think I don't have 100% evidence of this, but I'm pretty sure that a good way to do well in keeper leagues is to do what everyone else isn't doing. You know, like if you take a tack that no one else is taking, and I think if everyone's taking prospects and then you in the draft take all like the older players who are still super reliable, and Ryan O'Reilly's not even that old. I guess Ryan Getzlaff's getting a little bit up there, but you could grab guys like Joe Thornton, you know, for the last few years has been so good. If you could grab all those guys, and just build a team of superstars with a one-year context, you'll have a great chance to win and then just do it again the next year, right? Well, everyone else is still worrying about their young studs that they hope will one day turn into superstars. Maybe you can get, you know, Evgeny Malkin. I don't know, like, you know, these like players who are just good year in, year out, but maybe get valued less just because they're getting older. Okay, let me read you what Cam Robinson said. He's our prospect expert. We'll definitely get him on also during the summer at somewhere to talk more in detail about all these players who are going to be drafted. But he said, hey, hey, I, I don't know why I said, he wrote that to me and I, I thought that's how I took it anyways. Okay, he said, I'd be actually looking at Svechnikov ahead of Darlene for pretty much any league style. So that's one thing to keep in mind. If you want to draft someone from the draft, Cam says go Svechnikov and not Darlene. 
Then he wrote, depending on where Dalian lands, it'll be darn hard for him to break 35 points next year. Long term, he could be that elite 65 plus point guy surrounded with real talent, but that'll literally, that'll likely take some time. And then he asked, does this guy have a lot of vets already? In which case, take the top prospect. If he's trying to add vets, Ryan O'Reilly or Getzlaff would be fine, although I expect Getzlaff to start declining soon and middle stat joining Buffalo may make Ryan O'Reilly a third line center one day soon. So there is some interesting context there with Getzlaff and O'Reilly. And yeah, middle stat, if he's going to be one center and if yeah, Jack Eichel is the other, then maybe it is Ryan O'Reilly as a third line center. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Though I can't imagine they put Ryan O'Reilly in the bottom six. I feel like they'd make someone a winger first. But yeah. Lots to think about. Uh, I don't know. Sorry we don't have a perfect answer for you, but you could always tweet at us and we could follow up and try to figure out what the best decision is for you. Even Philippe Zadina, the forward expected at this point to round out the top three, could be a better offensive play than Rasmus Dahlin. And we should clarify, by the way, uh, Cam is talking about Andre Svechnikov, who is Evgeny Svechnikov's little brother, Evgeny. Uh, like, we're all waiting. Uh, he's he's playing now. He's playing his first games in the NHL. In the NHL. And while we're all like holding our collective breath, watching to see what Eli Tolvanen does, Eli, Eli, Ellie, Ellie, that's the first time I've said it out loud. Oh my gosh. Uh, Svechnikov, Evgeny, the 19th overall pick from 2015, has looked really good this week. Unfortunately for him, he's being raved the Detroit Red Wing way. The 21 year old played 10 games before finally breaking above the 10 minutes of ice time mark in his 11th game as a pro. Uh, now Svechnikov has three points in his last two games. They came against Buffalo and Ottawa. No power play time on ice. Playing on the fourth line with Adam Glendening and Martin Furk. Uh, so that's unfortunate at even strength. Um, one weird part, if you're thinking of adding him, and I know like this is totally out of the blue because we were talking about his brother. Yeah, wait, who are you talking about right now? Evgeny Svechnikov. On what team? On Detroit. Okay. Uh, he's And he's been in Grand Rapids for the last two seasons. His first season was better than this season. His production has taken a step back, like not necessarily putting up future top six NHL numbers, but the potential is still there. And like the season's over. So why not throw Evgeny Snevechnikov into the top six in Detroit, see what he can do now so you can make a a more informed decision in the summer. In the summer. Come on, Detroit, step it up. Yeah, and come on, Brian, let's step it up a little bit. <laughs> Smart with... enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're seeing Tolvanen on Nashville was top line, top power play yesterday. I think top power play for part of the game. Also, middle stats been getting a decent role on Buffalo. So I like that idea. And we'll talk about some of these guys later on in the show, like some players who are coming up that might, for those of you who are in, I hate to say it, but kind of like a clown league. If you're in a league that's going to the very last week of the season, then that doesn't seem very fair because a lot of teams, like you saw yesterday, Philip Forsberg was rested for Nashville. I don't even know if he's injured. I think they just want to rest him because Nashville's games don't matter much. You're going to see a lot of that next week. But if you're in a league that has games next week, we're going to throw you some hot takes on the injuries and outjuries and you know young players coming in later on in the show. I'd be curious to know if, Brian, people could hear your typing, but it's probably worth it because everyone in the chat room deserves to have a very good experience. Let's go to, actually, before we get to our next question, let's take a second to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. It's playoff time, right? Like, playoff games are going to start in a week or two. You want to go see those games. That's the most fun thing about being a hockey fan, in my opinion, is watching playoff hockey. Like, sure, next year it'll be fun to go and see Rasmus Dahlin in his first game, but for now, you want to go see yourself 
at a playoff game. So why not get your ticket from our friends over at SeatGeek? Buying, buying tickets, it can be complicated. It can be confusing. There's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. They're the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices Fully guaranteed. Brian, I don't think I've mentioned this to you. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks. I'm going, to a, con- I'm going to a conference for my work. I'm definitely going to check on SeatGeek and see if I can get into a Penguins playoff game. That would wow. be so amazing, especially because I have this side bet. Not a side bet. Like, I made a bet on the internet that the Penguins will win the cup, and I can win a lot of money. It would be so much fun to see it happen. Hopefully, Broussard and Kessel will be healthy and playing in that game. Anyway, all that to say, I'm definitely going to use the SeatGeek app because it's super easy to use. I'm going to be able to sort all the ticket prices by by value and i don't know maybe it'll be sold out but seeking will have it they because they, they aggregate all the tickets it's great so check it out seeking and if this would be your first seeking purchase you could even get an additional discount beyond the value that they provide you can and that discount is the to the tune of twenty dollars off your first seat geek purchase just download the seat geek app and enter promo code keeping today that's promo code keeping for twenty dollars off your first seat geek purchase okay next Question that we have is from Stefan Grandin on Twitter at Grandini25. Makar sign or not pro for next year? So talking about Cal Makar, is he going to play in the NHL next year? And I have no idea. I asked Cam because he's our prospect expert. He said, I heard he was staying for another year. Would be best for his development. IMO too. So probably you're not going to be seeing Makar in the NHL next year if Cam knows what he's talking about. Brian, do you know what you're talking about about this? I think so. You know, I actually didn't double check this before we went on air, but I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet in which it was confirmed that Cal Makar... Uh, confirm that he's going to play another year at UMass next season to spend another year in college. So we'll probably be saying his name next around this time next year after UMass's season finishes. And maybe he gets to play his first NHL game somewhere over the last couple of weeks of the 2018-19 campaign. Okay, next question from Jared Brown at A41. That's E-H-41. I wonder if people are going to like follow the people who asked us these questions. Hey, you ask it, you get on the show, and we really appreciate these questions. This is a good one. From a keeper standpoint, Jonathan Quick or Carey Price? Going into this year, it would have been a slam dunk. You want Carey Price as a keeper for the next million years. Now at the end of the year, Carey Price has been total garbage, and Jonathan Quick is probably my cupful team's MVP. I ran only one goalie. My opponent, Anthony, had one goalie as well. He had Andre Vasilevsky, and you all know how Vasilevsky did. Not great. And Jonathan Quick has been amazing. He has like a 923 save percentage on the season. I think even better over the past couple of weeks. So he's been fantastic. Price came back from injury. He's been terrible. The Habs are terrible. Looking into next year, I don't see a reason to expect the Habs to be that much better. I guess Shea Weber will be back, hopefully, and Patrick Reddy. Like there, I guess there are some reasons to expect the Habs to get better. Hopefully, they'll do something smart in the offseason and not just lose players like they did last year with Markov and then not really replace him with anyone. All that to say, I think there are reasons, though, to expect that Carey Price could be better next year. Like we already said before, how goalies in general are very hard to predict. And Carey Price has such a long track record of being such an elite goalie that why not expect him to just, you know, blow off the dust from this bad season and come back strong next year. But that said, I think you're really dumb to keep Carey Price over Jonathan Quick. I feel like Jonathan Quick is going to be valued so much higher in drafts next year. So just like what we were saying before, and like I said actually on our mailbag show where we were talking about some keeper questions just last week, we did a show for the patrons, which we do every week, by the way. And I said like, you know, leave the player as a sleeper and not as a keeper. Like Carey Price is not going to be someone that people are rushing to grab in their drafts. So why not keep Jonathan Quick? And if you have a good feeling about Carey Price, 
I'm sure you'll have the opportunity to draft him. You don't need to keep him because no one wants him. Well, again, I wonder who's going to be available later in your draft, which guy is more redraftable at the lower cost. And so that's the guy I would not keep. Uh, but not knowing that. I mean, like, we do know that. it's Jonathan Quick is going to be the goal that everyone wants. He had I a don't great, know. He had a great season this year. LA is a better team. Like, who's going to be the guy taking Carey Price? I think there are, I think there's a side, I don't, first off, I don't think you'd be very dumb as you, as you said. You'd be you're, so dumb. No, also, Price has been injured. I'm going to go carry Price. Ugh, terrible I'm, decision. I know you're mad about it. Uh, I would be very mad about it myself, taking Carrie Price over Jonathan Quick. I think there is still, like, it's terrible. Still reason to believe. Like, I'm wincing as I say it because it's really hard to do at the moment. And Jonathan Quick is not a special goalie either. And the LA Kings are not overly fantastic either. Like, they're, they're okay, but they're fighting for a playoff spot. Like, they're not a shoe-in. They're better than Montreal, though, that's for sure. Um, if I'm making this decision between Quick and Price, I would definitely. Like, my, my cheat answer is I'd be considering every other option I've got to trade either guy for a more certain and appealing return. Or, like, if you can keep a really good skater or defenseman instead – Maybe you could trade off one of them for a skater, unless, of course, goalies are incredibly scarce in your league. Brian, I'm making like so many faces for the people in the chat room now. He's I a just... 917 goalie in his career. He's been a league average goalie for the four years before this yeah. one. And before that year, he was a 902 goalie. Okay. Even though Jonathan Quick has been a league average goalie, he's still been a well above average fantasy goalie almost every season. Like he gets so many wins. LA plays him a lot. He, like, he even, like, you know, 9-8, you go, okay, this season's been amazing. 31 wins, 9-23 save percentage. I know you're looking back now, like, oh, he's been 9-17, 9-18, 9-18 for the last few years. But in those years, 40 wins, 36 wins. Like, this is, anyways, but it doesn't even matter. Because Carey Price couldn't even say healthy this year. We'll see what happens next year. Like, these goals, as they get older, they it's harder. Like, these injuries take a toll and makes the, them worse. I'm pretty confident that Carey Price is not going to get back to how he was before. And I think Jonathan Quick has just shown himself to be con- consistently good year in, year out on a team that's much better. Like you say, LA is not that good, but they have such a strong core of players. Andre Kopitar is amazing. Drew Doughty, they got like Muzzin and, and Martinez on defense and Fanuf. I don't know if he's coming back or not. Like they're just like, uh, Jeff Carter has been so good. I'll bring him up at the end of the episode. One of my hot streak guys, like, this LA is so good. And like Jonathan Quick's so solid. And also I just feel like back to what I said before, I'm pretty confident. Who's the person who asked the question now already? Uh, Jared. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be able to keep quick and draft price a lot easier than he's going to be able to keep price and draft quick. I feel like it would be a waste of a keeper slot. And also when you say like, try to trade him for someone better, good luck trading Kerry price right now after this terrible injury ridden season. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. Either, like, I think it's a gamble either way. Quick, so quick, it might be like the more like easy does it, like even keel choice. If you don't want to win big, but you want to have someone reasonable and reliable, yeah, Jonathan the guy Quick's who- your guy. If you want to take a big swing, you go Carey Price. He, don't tell me that Jonathan Quick has a higher upside than Carey Price. Uh, Going into his age 33 season. And Jonathan Quick has some injury history too. Don't you remember? He missed almost all of last season. Yeah, uh, but he's shown. This. Now he's had a great year. I know, but he's he's got the same, like he's older. He has injury history. So there's, I, I think there's still reason to be concerned. Jonathan Quick is like the nice, easy, conservative choice. Carey Price is, is the, big, uh, the, big, the big swing. 
yeah, why take a big swing on goalies? We've already talked about how you don't want to. I don't know. Anyways, up to you. Like if Brian, like I'll bet you anything, you're not going to be drafting Carey Price next year. But okay, let's. That's my prediction. That's not, that's not even the conversation. Well, I just feel like uh, you know you're saying okay. You think you're saying I'm not going to practice what I preach? If I had Quick and Price, mm-hmm. I'm saying legitimately I would think very hard about keeping Carey Price. Like he would yeah. be the cont- the leading contender at this point. And then I'd probably G-talk you and say, Elon, what do you think? And you tell me I'm dumb. Yeah, okay. Just like I said to the person who's such a, anyone else who decides to keep Price over quick. Again, you'll be able to draft him, which is what comes down to all these keeper decisions. Okay, let's move on. Next question from Jay. This is his name on Twitter, and it's at Jeremy Philly Fan. League is NHL AAV salary cap head-to-head. 16-team keeper. Gives a bunch of categories. Anyways, in the end, I, I don't think these categories really matter. Shots are counted, so maybe it's useful to know that. Bergeron or Kuznetsov, who do you keep? This is a very clear example of, like, an older player who's maybe... Like, Bergeron is so good. Like, he is probably underrated. This season, he had 61 points in 60 games, over a point per game. This is a guy who I don't think anyone was expecting to be, uh, like, a point-per-game guy this year. Like, last year, he kind of broke out and had 53 points. Oh, no, last year, he had 53 points in 79 games, 68 points the season before. And I remember in the offseason, we are like, which is the real Patrice Bergeron? Is he closer to the 70-point guy, or is he closer to the 60-point guy? Turn like 55 point guy like it was last year turns out he might be an 80 point guy from what we're seeing plus he helps you so much in shots on goal he takes a ton of shots he had 300 shots last year he's well over 200 shots this year even though he's played only 60 games so I think if I'm deciding like which player I expect to be more valuable next year but like having said that I don't want to shortchange Evgeny Kuznetsov who I feel like I have sort of shortchanged him in my head, like we haven't talked about him that much on the podcast. He's having an amazing year. He has 77 points in 75 games. So he has the exact same point pace pretty much as Bergeron. And he's like a lot younger. How old is he? 25 years old. I've done my research. Okay, so he's not even that young, actually. I thought he was younger. And But he doesn't take as many shots. So like he's not helping you in as many of these categories. I think Bergeron also is helping in some others. Brian, I guess you've done some more research, so you can take it from here. But here's a big... The thing is, even if you think Bergeron's better for next year, this is where it gets kind of tough. Because you'd imagine like three, four years down the road, for sure, Kuznetsov is going to be the better guy. But the question is, does it really matter? Like, if you're trying to win next year, maybe you should just go for Bergeron because Bergeron's probably still going to be good for next year and a couple years after that. Yeah. So first off, I, th- I just want to rewind to how good Kuznetsov's season has been. 77 points in 75 games. I would say that is one of the quieter. I mean, there have been a lot of very quiet, uh, amazing performances this year. Eric Stahl has constantly been named the quietest by us and like by others a month later when they all realized what we already knew uh, but no one's really we have not talked about we have not given Evgeny Kuznetsov his due this year and 77 points in 75 games is a touch high uh, but like there's no doubt he's still at least a 70 point player in a normal year with the numbers that he's been able to put up this year uh, between Kuznetsov and Bergeron no difference in hits or blocks Bergeron gets more shots. Kuznetsov has more penalty minutes. Uh, Bergeron also on one of the best lines in hockey. And Kuznetsov, who knows? Uh, for It's a cap league, so Kuznetsov makes about a million dollars more than Bergeron. 7.8 mil to 6.875. Kuznetsov is also seven years younger than Bergeron. But it kind of depends. Like, if you're going to take Bergeron and save a million bucks in your cap space, what are you going to do with those million dollars? Is that going to make up the difference between Bergeron and Kuznetsov? Anyway... To give you some kind of answer and and bring this to a conclusion, I am going to take Evgeny Kuznetsov. He's in his prime years, turning 26 in a couple months. Though you have to wonder, once Alex Ovechkin tails off, 
who's left in Washington for Kuznetsov to set up? Like we need to hope that Verana turns into someone amazing or Burakovsky. Kuznetsov is going to need to play with someone he can set up. And right now that's not, uh, there's no one on the horizon in Washington for that to be. Uh, He's probably talented enough to still handle his business well enough. But you look at the other side and you have no doubt that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak are going to be a crazy good line for another couple of years. So if you want to be cautious and enjoy the next couple of years with another million in cap space, there's reason to go for Patrice Bergeron. Otherwise, Evgeny Kuznetsov would be my choice. And plus, even if, you know, well, Pasternak's young, Marchand, like, yeah, there's other good players on Boston too, like Donato, Jake DeBrusque, like Danton Heinen. These are, like, these are okay players. I wouldn't say they're good. Like, if you're asking me to fill a top six, I'm not coming at you with names like Jake DeBrusque and Danton Heinen. Well, I mean, aren't they, isn't this like their rookie seasons? Like, these are players who we expect to be good at some point. Or am I, am I totally wrong about this? Oh, they're, they're well, new... we're all going to do some live research here to <laughs> see are, how old they both are. They're rookies to keeping Carlson, that's for sure, because we didn't talk about that before this season. Yeah, so so Heinen's in his first pro season. He's 22 years old. Uh, he'll turn 23 this July. Jake DeBrusque is 21 years old. He'll turn 22 in October. So they're young. Ryan Donato. He's upside, but there's like not much pedigree. From either guy. Ryan Donato has a little more pedigree than any okay. of them. He's the more excited. He's the most exciting one. Like, I would have named David Krejci before either of those. Oh, two. sure. I just think he's, like, older. So we're talking about, like, what's going to happen in the future. Regardless, I'm, again, actually, I'm surprised. I don't want to do this. Like, and you're, guys, probably you want to take, a lot of these decisions, though, are probably, like, very hard to predict and, like, almost coin flips. Very context-dependent also. I, yeah, I think the quick versus price one's pretty obvious. <laughs> but uh, this one is definitely a tough one. I'm going to disagree, though, especially if you're a contender for next year. Like, if you're rebuilding and you are not don't, don't think you have a chance to win next year or the year after, then maybe go with Kuznetsov. Like, almost for sure go with Kuznetsov in that case. But I feel like if you want to win next year, I think Patrice Bergeron is your guy, especially with the shots on goal. Like it's, and again, I said it as one of my lessons earlier on, like it's so nice. Just not have to worry about it. You get You get these big shooters. You're going to take shots on goal. And from there, like, it's just like a nice category to have locked up. So you could worry about other stuff because it's annoying, like having to go into free agents and go, I'm I'm, I'm very close in shots. I need to go and grab a shots guy. Who's not necessarily going to do much else, which is kind of rare, but there are like the Boone Jenners and that guy on Montreal, uh, uh, not Lekkonen. There's another guy in Montreal who took a bunch of shots this year, but never seen Houdon. Houdon, yeah. So He's yeah. not playing tonight. Is he injured? Uh, Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. No one has Houdon on their roster. Yeah, but guess what? Kirby Reichel's playing his first game in a Habs uniform. Ooh. Remember, like, three years ago when everyone was really hyped about him? Yeah, I recall mentioning him on the show, and I just remember thinking about the Kirby game on Game Boy <laughs> and Nintendo. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun name. I would rather play that game than have Kirby Reichel on my fantasy roster. Any Harsh. game in the Kirby series. Oh, man. Any Brian, game. Brian, you know what? You're, like, a really nice person in person, and you seem to preach about how people should be nice and respectful. But sometimes you're really cutting to these NHL players. That's not nice to say. I would rather play a Kirby game than, than have Kirby, Kirby. Reichel. Like, that's not that mean to him. I guess that, that one's not that mean. There was, like, a, who was, what was that tweet you made last week? Or it was, like, some player, like, the goalie made a really good save. <laughs> and then you're like, is it even possible to make a really good save off of this player? Right. Who wasn't? Someone said an outstanding save on Matt Reed. And I said, is it possible to make an, if you make a save on, if you make an outstanding save on Matt Reed, did you really make an outstanding save? What a mean tweet. Like, Matt Reed. It's just a joke. What if Matt Reed is a, like a real person? He that, is. And what if he searches for his name on Twitter and is like, oh, but what if he listens He'll to the get show? It. He'll get it. It's a chirp. <laughs> they, they get, he hears worse all the time. It's Matt me. Reed, if you're listening to the show, 
I'm sorry, and you're one. We we like you. He's not even a bad Actually, player. I don't know if he's a good person. We've well, had this conversation before. Well, assume he's a bad person. <laughs> if he's a bad person, then I'm happy with my comment. I think that a very like knowledgeable listener of Keeping Carlson, someone who's been following us for a while, probably should be able to tell which tweets are from Brian and which tweets are from me. And I'm telling you, a random like insulting a player, or or if it's insulting like Eugene Melnick or something about how you're disappointed about the sense, this is definitely gonna be a tweet from Brian. If it's like some attempt at a lame joke that doesn't go well, then maybe it's the one for me. I thought I had this really brilliant analogy of like when you're in the lead in a fantasy series and then you get a bunch of injuries. It reminds me of when you get hit with that shell when you're playing Mario Kart, the one that goes and hits the person in first place. For some reason, I wrote gold shell that's not the name of the shell it's not the shell but you get but ridiculous I, okay but uh, the blue purple uh, spiky all of those answers <laughs> yes, are loud i did i'm admitting i made i named the wrong shell but i think it was a pretty fun analogy if the shell was right because it is kind of like that right like everything's going but so well it. and all of a sudden the shell like, was wrong like i can't even get i can't get past that I still think that tweet is better than the Matt Reed sucks t- hot take or like, whatever. That's okay. I Which one had more likes? We also, don't need to talk about the. Tw- <laughs> I don't want to. Con- this conversation could go on forever. Okay, another time. Next, another keeper question from Sean Leibich at Sean Leibich. Uh, uh, anyways, okay, it's Sean looking to make another run in a keeper league. Assist our goals, assists, points, power play points, shots, and hits. Any old guys worth keeping? Stahl, Zetterberg, Lundqvist. Uh, and then he wrote, as a more general question, how do you rank youth versus age? So that's what we've been discussing. Again, I think it depends a lot on your league. Like, what are other people valuing? I think there is, str- like, uh, some strategy in doing the opposite of what other people are doing because you could take advantage in, in both ways, right? If everyone's, like, discounting young players, then you could just stock up on all the awesome keepers. So it goes the other way around. Most of the time, it's the other way, though. Like, people in keeper leagues, I think, overvalue young players versus people who could help you now. I think you always want to win like, it's very rare that you're going into a season not wanting to win. Like I guess some people are in these really intense dynasty leagues where you know you have a rebuild coming and you can't win, which I think wouldn't be... I guess there's fun to that because you could cheer for your young players even if you're losing. For me, I feel like I'd always try to win. So old guys worth keeping in general. I think there are old players worth keeping. Uh, also depends, though... These guys, for example, like Henrik Lundqvist, like you probably don't need to keep Henrik Lundqvist. Like, I don't know how many keepers your league is, Sean, but like... If you think about it, like if you don't keep him, you could just draft him, right? No one is that's a, that's a, that's my general idea with these keeper decisions. Like, there's no point keeping someone that you can just draft. Like, mark him as a sleeper, don't mark him as a keeper. I think I want to get a t-shirt with that in. I, I like that saying, and I think it rings true. Like, you can get Henrik Lundqvist for super cheap right now. So if you have an inkling that he's going to be good, Zetterberg also is on the decline. I don't see a reason to keep him. Eric Stahl's the guy who you should consider keeping because he's had an amazing season. Like, I don't see any reason to expect a big drop-off next year. Like, he had that big drop-off a couple years ago. We assumed maybe it was age-related. Maybe it was just Carolina crap-related. And now that he's playing with good players, he's showing that he's still a superstar, or if not a superstar, very close, but he's basically almost a point-per-game guy. So I think, obviously, it depends on your other options, but definitely of those three, the only one that I would be considering keeping, unless it's super deep, is Eric Stahl. Yeah, keep Stahl out of Stahl, Zetterberg, and Lungvist. Elon, a lot of what you said wrong, too, so I'm not going to repeat it. I'm just going to talk about Eric Stahl for a minute. I wouldn't expect him to quite repeat what he's done this year, but uh, like he just passed for 40 goals, or he's at 40 goals, but it sure seems as though it'll be okay to hope for at least 65 points in Stahl's age 34 season next year, the way he's being deployed. And I think it was an issue of him being underutilized in Carolina. And then he went to New York, who did the same thing to him. He finally found a team in Minnesota that's ready to love him the way he still deserves to be loved. Like, he did not 
fall off a cliff in terms of offensive upside at the age of 30, the way it looked like in Carolina. As for Henrik Zetterberg, uh, he's had a really icky season, so inconsistent. Uh, but again, it's hard to be consistent for Zetterberg when he only has 50 points to spread out over 79 games. We had the conversation before the season about whether Zetterberg was closer to his 2015-16 total of 50 points or last season's total of 68 points. And my guess was somewhere in the middle between those two, between 50 and 68, with a lean towards the lower end. But the answers turned out to be more than a mere lean towards the lower end. It's essentially been the lower end for Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, he's on pace. If he can keep his current point pace, he'll end up with 52 points. And it's hard to think he's going to be able to offer a whole lot more next year on a Detroit Red Wings team that, well, put frankly, needs a lot of help. I mean, they do have, like, I don't know. I think we kind of disagree a little bit on Detroit. To me, like, I think Detroit does have some pieces there. Like, there might be some really good players. For Mecca, Anthony Larkin, Nyquist. And so, yeah, like, I That's guess. Four, and Larkin is really turning into a superstar. Yeah. Zetterberg hasn't played with Larkin this year. They've been on separate lines. I guess they're both centers. So that's obviously not good for Zetterberg. And so maybe it doesn't matter. Like, they can play together on the power play or something. So, yeah, if Zetterberg's going to not play with Larkin, or Mantha, like the last game for Detroit, they were going with Mantha, Larkin, and Darren Helm, who had a really crazy chance. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know. Was he like kind of like had a breakaway and then like went around the net and it was cool. Anyways, uh, and yeah, it was Zetterberg with Nyquist and Bertuzzi. And I guess we've seen that Zetterberg playing with Nyquist isn't enough this year, at least, to make Zetterberg a superstar like he was last year. He had like 68 points. It was amazing. So yeah, anyways, yeah, Detroit has some good players, but I do agree with you that I don't know if Zetterberg is going to play with them, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, next question? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just going to close close the loop with saying, adding, echoing what you said about Henrik Lundqvist, which is like to forget it. Even if you do, like, even if you don't keep him and you're considering drafting him, I mean, we'll see what it looks like come September, October. But the Rangers are going into rebuild mode. Uh, Alexander Georgiev is making a case for more time. And the defense is currently even thinner than it's been in the past years, which is really saying something. So I would be scared to own Lundqvist or any Rangers goalie next year. And man, what a brutal first year for Kevin Shattenkirk on the Rangers. Eh? Yes. Like was started the year so strong, then went ice cold and then got injured and out for the year. So he never had a chance to redeem himself. So now going to next year, he's got to be a good sleeper, right? Like no one, I feel like people are going to forget about the fact that he was like one of the top power play defensemen. Now he's also going to be on a team that's not good. So I guess there's reasons for and against, but I feel like if you could get Kevin Shattenkirk really late in your draft, as I imagine you'll be able to do in a lot of leagues, we'll have to see like where he is put in those Yahoo default rankings. Cause a lot of people t- tend to dra- draft by that, but yeah, keep your eye on Kevin Shattenkirk. Don't reach for him, obviously for the reasons Brian said about the Rangers, but he's a guy to keep in mind for next year, but okay. Uh, did you want to say something about Shattenkirk or should I go to the next question? Uh, no, go ahead. We'll, we'll talk about it in the summer, maybe. Yeah. We got a summer, by the way, guys, we've got a summer series coming. We're still going to be doing shows. I, like I said, we're going to do a show next week, which is going to be our playoff pool draft and just kind of general playoff talk. Real playoffs, not fantasy playoffs. But uh, then after that, every couple of weeks, we're going to come up with an episode looking back on the season, starting to prepare. Like the really hardcore fantasy players should be listening to these episodes. We'll try to make them fun. Don't be like, oh, I'm done with fantasy. Maybe If, if you're like that, you're probably not even listening to this episode, which is too bad because I think we're having a good time here. But uh, yeah, uh, check out the summer series. I think you'll like it. Uh, okay, let's go to the next question. Another keeper question. I think the last keeper question we have, Mike Dembeck at Dembeck M asked us from Twitter, allowed five keepers. Ovi, Liney, and Quick locked in. Brian's going to be like, why? Why is Quick locked in? He's terrible. But uh, anyways, let's not dig into that. I didn't, I never said Jonathan Quick was He's terrible. Average. Average at best. Yeah. Not, not That's the case. what I said. He's average like for save percentage, even though this year he's been above average. 
uh, for save percentage. Oh but he's there's a differently like we. I think we agree on who Jonathan Quick is. He's a workhorse, no. but number one goalie on a pretty good team. Yeah, with an at least average save percentage. I know, but I feel like you, in your head. It's come to be like Jonathan Quick is average goalie. Yeah. But it's like there's a difference between an average goalie and an average fantasy goalie. He's a well above average fantasy I'm goalie. I'm acknowledging. No, okay. I, I wouldn't say. Yeah, like for years this, before say, this year, he's been a very valuable to a lot of teams. One of the top fantasy goalies to own just because he plays a lot and he wins a decent amount of those games. I said when we kicked off the show about the lessons learned, there's a lot of value in a workhorse goalie. And that's where Jonathan Quick has a lot of fantasy value. I, I think we agree on him much more <laughs> okay. than you think we agree. So let's move on. So we're not going to discuss whether he should keep Quick because he's locked him in. Ovi, Liney, Quick, locked in. Two more of those four that he has to choose to keep are Ehlers, William and Eric Carlson and Raquel. So he's picking two of Ehlers, William Carlson, Eric Carlson, and Ricard Raquel. So my first thing, the first thing that jumps to mind, I'm sure for you as well, Eric Carlson, why is he in the conversation of maybe you should keep him or not? Eric Carlson is so good. And if he is this undervalued, then I can't wait for my drafts next year so that I can get him. Like even in this like quote unquote down year, if you look at the stats, Eric Carlson has the second most points per game of any defenseman in the league. So you take your Klingbergs, you take your John Carlson's, they're just below Eric Carlson for points per game. So don't forget Carlson was injured for a bit at the start of the year. So he's not up there in terms of total points, but in terms of points per game, which is really all that matters unless you're worried about Carlson getting injured next year, which I don't really see a reason for you to be worried about that. He had this one injury. He seems to be fine now. And he's been great. He's been a playoff MVP for anyone who held him and or traded for him for their fantasy playoffs this year. The only guy ahead of him is someone who jumped ahead just recently, Tyson Berry. Oh my God. Brian, the Colorado Avalanche just keeps scoring goals and Tyson Berry's getting in on so many of them. So he's really good, but he's not an option for this guy. So Eric Carlson, guaranteed keeper. I don't even want to discuss that any further. No. No debate there. No. So now we're going to decide between William Carlson, Nick Ehlers, and Ricard Raquel. I have an answer. Brian, I'm curious to know yours. I know you gave a take about, you gave a pretty hot take, actually. Like, I think I'd give it an eight or nine out of 10 the take that you gave on our mailbag show on Wednesday about William Carlson, you said that you predict he's going to have like around 20 goals. You said it will be tough for him or it would be a success for him to get 20 goals next year. This is a guy who has 40 plus goals this year. So I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, but by the way, that's an example of a really good hot take because it's like something no one would expect. You'd expect that William Carlson, the general idea is he's a good goal scorer now considering he scored all these goals. And also it's reasonable. Like Brian backed it up. Maybe he'll back it up a bit now. That's why it was such a good take. Also, let me point out for the hot takeoff, when you send your emails to kktakes at gmail.com with your hot takes. And again, there's gonna be a really great prize. So don't forget to send in your takes. Uh, Keep it kind of short. Like a paragraph at most? No, not even. 280 characters. If it won't fit into an extended tweet, then it's not going to sound like a hot take. Yeah, you're basically going to be making John have to do more work and have to summarize your take. And he probably won't be able to word it the way you meant it. And we're going to end up giving it a bad score. So keep it short. But obviously, explain your point. Make sure we understand what you're trying to say. All that to say, Brian. So uh, you're choosing one of Ehlers, William Carlson, Ricard Raquel. I know you're not going to say William Carlson. Curious to hear who you're going to say. Then I'll say who I'm going to say. Uh, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to choose William Carlson. And for those who didn't hear, who don't have access to our mailbag shows, uh, you can still become a patron for $5 a month and get access to all of our mailbag shows. I know, I know. Elon has an announcement about that towards the end of the show. Well, yeah, before you uh, tell people that oh, $5 is too much for the summer, we're giving it to you for a buck. We'll, we'll talk about it more later, but you can get it as a buck and you could get access. So okay. just keep that in mind. Back to the question at hand. Uh, so Eric, take two, Ehlers, 
William, Eric Carlson, and Raquel. Uh, Eric Carlson, of course, we already agreed on. And Ricard Raquel would be my second choice. Yep, that's mine as well. Choice. Uh, he's really taken a star turn this year. I've always like appreciated his offense, but have never been 100% sold on him, usually because of a high shooting percentage or like some other streaky factor. But I am now sold on him. 66 points in 73 games for Ricard Raquel. His second straight 30-plus goal season. There's a much better chance. And I'm seeing much better chance next year. Here's a hot take that Ricard Raquel scores more goals than William Carlson. Oh, no, um, I agree with that. Okay. And uh, and Raquel did this 66 points in 73 games in a season. I don't know if you remember back at the beginning of the year, Elon, it was like, who is actually playing for Anaheim? They were just decimated by injuries for long stretches of time. And through it all, Ricard Raquel putting up big points has been the constant. Yeah, his center was Derek Grant. I believe, and he became a valuable guy to grab in fantasy because he was playing with Ricard Raquel. And once you get to that status where we switch from being like, you want this guy because he's playing with this other guy to being the guy that you want the people playing with, that's a big difference. And that's why Nick Ehlers, for me, just not there. Like The main reason I wouldn't say Nick Ehlers, first of all, he hasn't had as good a season. It's 57 points in 78 games, which is great. 60-point season, fantastic. He's been a bit cold lately, unfortunately. Only one assist in his last four games. But I just hate that Ehlers. I hate it. Like, I don't want a player on my team who I'm not going to expect power play one time from unless there's someone, like, really exceptional in, like, blocks or something or whatever. You know, like, Eric Johnson's been great, not on the top power play. I wasn't expecting that. Ehlers is an offensive guy. He can't get on that top power play on Winnipeg. It doesn't matter who gets injured. Like, Shifley gets injured. Like, he still didn't get there. Like, I'm sure if Wheeler got injured. Like, I just feel like they don't want Ehlers on that top power play. Lately, they've been running Liney, Shifley, Stasny, Wheeler, and then Dustin Bufflin, and they give Nick Ehlers the second power play duties you guys like like adam lowry i feel like got more top power play time than nick ehlers this year i don't know if you can look that up quickly or maybe it's not worth it so yeah ehlers is really good he's going to continue to be a great offensive contributor like he's going to be a solid 60 plus point guy i think every year he's going to be in that top six playing with really good players he's really clicked with liney and stasny since stasny arrived in winnipeg no question about it but you know i'm going with ricard raquel also top line top power play good like like he just seems like he's a really good superstar and like a really good player and he helps you in shots like overall he hits i don't know if this league counted hits i don't know if uh mike said that oh he didn't there's no hits but still i like ricardo Kell. okay next question we've got two more questions then we'll like run through what's been going on for the past week we're gonna lightning round the injuries roster changes injuries hot streaks whatever we're gonna lightning round two more questions okay so Anthony asks, but no rush, by the way. I know sometimes I, sometimes I worry that when I say, like, let's hurry up, that I'm worried people listening, I'm stressing them out. Like, Brian and I are cool. We got time. We're not meeting our friends, our listeners at the uh, Clock Tower pub until 8 o'clock. And it's like 7.10. So. Whatever. We'll be late. You know what? Let's slow they it can down. wait. Let's slow it down for a bit. Okay. Let's, let's ease into right. our next question, cool. which is from Anthony DiCostanzo at... Tony Deco on Twitter. Okay, everyone's now having to speed up their podcast. What podcast do you guys listen to? That's fun. It's not even a fantasy question. We didn't. We never said you had to ask a fantasy question. I'm surprised we didn't get more. Well, I'm not surprised. We're boring people. Why would you care about us? But if you're curious, I have some answers. In terms of hockey, I listen to the PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich, and I listen to TSN Fantasy Analytics Podcast, which features guys like Scott Cullen and, oh man, I don't have the names on top of my head. Travis Yost, Travis James Yost, Myrtle. All the best, like all the best guys that I think have really strong takes and some of them we've had on our show and they're always really great. So I would say those, and Dimitri for the PDOcast has great interviews as well. So those are, I think, the best podcasts to listen to to help you in fantasy. 
Uh, I'm sure, like, I don't really listen to these, uh, you know, uh, more fun sports podcasts. I know probably a lot of our listeners do, like Merrick versus Wachowski and whatever. It doesn't exist anymore. There's oh. now the 31 Thoughts podcast with Merrick and uh, Elliot Friedman. Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't listen to hockey podcasts for entertainment. Like, I, I just want to get the the numbers, the deals. I don't want any jokes. Uh, maybe you guys are going to say, like, why are you guys being silly? Like, we, generally, we don't try to make jokes, right? We're just trying to give you the important information. We, we, are, make- ve- we are very serious people. <laughs> Elon, can I ask you a question? Would you listen to an infotainment hockey podcast? No. Like, unless... You need all 100% information. Well, just because, like, I listen to other podcasts. Like, I have entertainment available to me. So I'm, like, Survivor fan. I listen to Rob Has a Podcast. Big shout-out to Rob Has a Podcast. In fact, John Reed, who's going to be hosting our Hot Takeoff, he is one of the big contributors to Rob Has a Podcast and helping him set things up. And and, uh, I don't know why I said that, but just wanted to throw it out there. But I've gotten a lot of inspiration from that, yelling yes at the start of the show. FYI, Rob C. obviously doesn't do that. But he does say yes at the start of Survivor Dorals. And at first, I just started wanting to copy him. Then eventually, I just became a lunatic and started yelling at the start of the show. Um, and like, I don't know, I, I could give you some other podcasts. I listen to a bunch. Like, I'm always listening to podcasts, Radio Lab, uh, Reply All, This American Life, you know, all those like typical, really good ones, most of the Gimlet shows. Uh, I've been listening to this uh, really funny one called Hollywood Handbook recently. So I definitely, if you like comedy podcasts, listen to that. But that's the thing. Like, I'd rather listen to comedy, uh, Hollywood Handbook and laugh rather than listen to a hockey podcast that sometimes makes me laugh. Like, give me my hockey info and then I'll laugh later. My answer is a lot shorter. I, I I don't listen to, like, this is my confession. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. When I do, uh, This American Life, Radio Lab, uh, How Sound, which is a podcast about making podcasts. Uh, I listen to Startup, but that was like season one. It's been a while. Sound Opinions, it's a music show. Cool. It's very exciting. Brian's really into music. It, uh, and I listen to, like, some hockey ones also. Like, but you named a bunch. Yeah. Uh, I would say a good question for Brian for a future show, if you're into music, like, you're like, you know, indie music, what's hot right now? What are the cool beats coming out of, like, the underground community, whatever? Wow. Like, ask Brian about, like, you know, what, what he's listening to, and he'll send you a bunch of good stuff. Like, it's good advice. Like, all the recommendations he sends me, he knows my taste. And I like uh, the new Decemberist album. Fantastic. Thank you for the recommendation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, ben is saying in the chat room, Elon, can you explain Dom's strategy? At first, I thought he was talking about Dom Lucician, but no, he's talking about Survivor. Can you explain Dom's strategy of pretending to have a fake idol, even though he has a real idol? I cannot. That is very weird. And let's not turn this into a Survivor podcast. I would love to have a Survivor podcast, but unfortunately, I think that the job's done. Like, Rob C's doing such a good job. I will say, though, Ben, let's wait and see how it turns out, right? Like, maybe he'll do something really smart with it, and we'll know the answer. So I wouldn't, you know, scratch your head too much trying to figure out what Dom... Dominic is doing. Let's just wait and see how it turns out. And Next then. hockey question. Ryan <laughs> Bevelander. Is that like Nylander? Is it pronounced the same way? Bevelander? Uh, he asks at Bevelander Ryan. Asks, uh, okay. Oh, another keeper question. Allowed four keepers. Kucherov. Goudreau for sure. Two more of Stamkos, Jones, and Krug. Easy. So, okay. Easy. It's points only. And like I had a question to Elon. Is Jones Martin Jones or Seth Jones? And if it's Martin Howard goalie points calculated it's probably not if he's saying points only he's probably referring to forwards well, on defense well no goalies can like get points for wins i'm in a points only league where goalies accrue points wait i don't okay there's we might have to work on our like communication in terms of the language for this. i always thought that points only means for skaters we only count goals and assists each for a points as opposed to a points league which is like means you get like you know certain number of points for gold certain points for assists like as opposed to a categories league i assume when he said points only he means he's referring to skaters only getting like credit for goals and assists at one each like one point per point okay anyways regardless you're saying either way it's either way stamkos krug bada bing bada boom done yeah like seth jones is so good 
And I do not want to discount the great no. season that he's had. But Wierenski could be back on the top power play next year. He could not be. It's not like a guaranteed thing that Seth Jones could. Like, he's had an insanely good season. Elon, tell, tell us his numbers. How <laughs> I, good a season has it I been? Brought up, it's fun. When Brian and I are beside each other, he sees what's happening. I, like, I was bringing it up as we're talking about it. Seven, 54 points in 76 games for Seth Jones, including like an amazing game yesterday against Vancouver. He had a goal and three assists. So, you know, a fantasy playoff MVP, at least in that game, actually was pointless in three games before that. But he held, obviously he held on to him and he really made up for it. He made up like he had no points in three games. He still gives you four points in four games after the after it's all said and done. So he and, is so good. And also 244 shots, which is like he's averaging more than three shots per game, which for a defenseman is golden. That said, if you had to ask me who between Seth Jones and Tori Krug is going to score more points next year, I'm going Tori Krug yeah. and Stamkos is the other. Yeah, I think Stamkos is the easy answer. And I agree. Like, I don't think it's easy between Krug and Jones. Like, you have to pick one. It sucks to have to lose one of them. I think Tori Krug has less competition. I know Charlie McAvoy is there, but I think Tori Krug is the for sure top power play guy. I love the players on the Boston top power play. How can you not? So, yeah, I'll go Krug as well, but it sucks. Try to, I don't know, get something good for Jones or figure figure something out. Like, that's too bad that you have to lose one of them with those guys. I wonder if a good draw, no, but you can't, like, obviously keep Kucherov and Goudreau. So, yeah, too bad. And that's the tough thing with keeper leagues. You got to make some tough cut decisions. Maybe try to draft Seth Jones next year. Okay, so Brian. We'll, we'll definitely cover him in the summer. He's going to be a guy that everybody wants to know how, how to approach drafting Jones or Wierenski going into next season. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, by the way, speaking of Seth Jones, I feel like his value is probably connected a lot to Artemi Panarin. And I wanted to bring him up later for the hot streaks. I might as well just mention him now since we're talking about Columbus. Panarin's up to now 77 points in 79 games, basically a point per game player. He's been really hot over the stretch run, like four-year fantasy class, four assists yesterday versus Vancouver. Vancouver won this game, but it was like all the Columbus players making a splash. I think there were only two Vancouver players who had multi-point games in the, in their five goals. I think uh, Bo Horvat and UC Jokinen. Had UC Jokinen on a bit of a roll. Yeah, but anyways, it's these Columbus guys in fantasy that are really helping you out. Like all the, the guys that we'd expect, like Cam Atkinson, Dubois, who like kind of annoys me because two episodes ago, or I guess now three episodes ago now, two weeks ago, I said... Grab Dubois. He's on a cold streak, but he's on the top line, top power play with Panarin. He's going to be due, boy, or something. We made some pun. Anyway. We, we Did we already summarize this last week? Yeah. Then No, but then no. Then last week, he I said, okay, forget about th- Yeah, exactly. Then yeah. last week, I said, uh, okay, I guess now forget about him. He's been bumped for Nick Foligno. So maybe now if you added Dubois, it might be reasonable to drop him. Probably people, hopefully not, but some people probably listen to us. Not our fault, but Nick Foligno got injured and then Dubois got back to his spot and he's been red hot lately. So, you know, what can you do? He's like six points in three games, I think, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But anyways, Artemi Panarin's clearly the straw that stirs the drink. Every question about whether or not he needs Patrick Kane to produce has been thoroughly answered this year. Like Answered. Yeah, so good. And that helps Seth Jones. Like we say, yeah, are you, you're proud of yourself for that? I just, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like, you know, the Boston top power play has a lot more like big name firepower. Like Brad Marchand, we'll talk about it in a second. I didn't even realize how good of a season Brad Marchand is having. In fact, let me mention it now, since we're just going on tangents anyways. You know how we were talking about the most points per game for a defenseman? Why don't we switch over and talk about who has the most points per game for a forward this year? It's not Connor McDavid. It's Brad Marchand. Can you believe that? It's actually Brad Marchand. <laughs> yes, it's Brad Marchand. 84 points in 63 games. He would be a he would be the league leader in points right now. He'd be the Art Ross winner if he played as many games as Connor McDavid. McDavid's played 79 games as 103 points. Good for third for points per game. There's even another guy in between them, Nathan McKinnon. We've talked about a lot on the show. I feel like we haven't talked enough about Brad Marchand, and he's such a little 
if I may say, S-H-I-T. He just, like, <gasps> he just uh, cross-checked someone yesterday when he was on the, on the ground. It was like, it's such a stupid play. I, I feel like he should probably even get suspended for that. Like, that's the problem with Brad Marchand. It's well, like, if you remember last year, at the end of the regular season, he got suspended. And I think that made him miss two games of the season of the series against Ottawa in the first round. And I think that was a big reason why the Sens were able to come out of that series okay. Uh, so hopefully he can stay in the lineup. It looks like we're going to get a Boston-Toronto first-round matchup right now. The probability for that is rising by the day. And that I would have so much fun watching that. Wait, I I thought my impression was that we were going to see a Tampa Toronto first round matchup. I know. Let me just check that. Let me fat check you here. I know we're going to talk about the playoffs more next year. I think I just said fat check and not fat <laughs> check, but let's just go with it. Boston is ahead of Tampa by a couple points. I don't know why you say that, Brian. I think it's more likely that Tampa is going to play Toronto. Okay, if you give me a couple more seconds, I'm going to give you the source. For... Oh, is it like because of the base on who they're playing for the rest of the year and Boston has a tougher schedule, so they're more likely it's to lose taking games? An, it's taking sure. into account expected There's results. no point. Let's just wait a week and see what happens. Who cares? Let's not predict who Toronto's going to play in the playoffs. Either way, it's going to be a fun series. First round matchups from HockeyViz, uh, which is a fantastic site that you should... We support We support it. You can do HockeyViz.com. Uh, Toronto has a 62... Oh, okay, sorry, you're right. It's a 62% of playing Tampa, 38% chance. I thought it was, if I wasn't here, Brian, you'd be spreading so much misinformation. I, I thought it. I thought I read 58%, uh, but 38% is still... Honestly, Toronto and anyone is going to be a very fun series. Yeah, I'm glad I live in Toronto, and I don't care if people accuse me of jumping on the bandwagon. I'm on it. It's going to be so fun. Like, if you live in Toronto... <laughs> Let's meet up. Let's go to a bar and watch a Leafs playoff game. Woo! I bought a t-shirt. I'm, I'm ready. Let's okay. have a spin-off podcast about which team it would be the most fun to cheer for. Hmm, you know what? I'm getting fact-checked myself here in the <laughs> chat room. Anthony's saying that McKinnon is at 1.33 points per game yeah. and Marshall's at 1.31. My source was quanthockey.com. Maybe it's not up to date. I don't know. Sorry. So whatever. Marshall's having an amazing season. So Whatever. Maybe McKinnon's having an even more amazing season. Anyway, I just think it's interesting in general to realize that Marshand is basically at the same level. Like, you know, who cares about nitpicking 0. 0.01, 0. 0.02 points per game? The, my main point is people assume, like, in drafts next year, you're going to go Connor McDavid for sure, number one, no question. But, like, Brad Marshand and McKinnon, whatever we've discussed, like, Marshand, by the way, has left-wing eligibility, so he helps you more in terms of position. And maybe he's just as uh, reliable for points as Connor McDavid. So... I don't know. Like I, I feel weird saying like don't draft McDavid first overall if you have the opportunity, but there are reasons not to. Uh, for for what it's worth, uh, I, I have Brad Marchand and Nathan McKinnon tied at one point three three points per game. <laughs> okay, let's just move. according to Hockey Reference, and it's going to change in the day, like after each of them plays. Oh, again. that actually does not account for Marchand's game today. So maybe that's what's happening. Yeah, I don't think he got a point today. Okay, well, there you go. All right. Let's go to, yeah, so we're getting to some injuries now. I'll just, like, run through a bunch of them, Brian. You can say what you want. So I mentioned Felino out two to four weeks, and that is big for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think is the big benefactor here. Beneficiary, yeah. I should say. Nice. We've been corrected on that, yes. Uh, there was a really funny quote of beneficiary on Survivor last week by Chris. Remember that? Where it was, like, everyone thinks male models are dumb. <laughs> that was ridiculous. And I'm with the beneficiary. Of, oh, he said it in a funny way. Okay. Uh, Jake Muzzin is week to week. Oh, wait, I was going to say just Felino. So terrible. Just as he was making something of his year, boom, he's out. Uh, he's going to end the season with 33 points in 72 games. Felino put up 16% of his full year production in the last six games he played. Wow. Unfortunate. So is he a sleeper for next year? Would you say if you're in a hits league, would you take a chance on him? I mean, I take a chance at the appropriate moment. Like at the end like, of the draft. If you're counting on anything better than a half point per game, check yourself. 
Okay. Uh, Muzzin, week to week, uh, Dion Phaneuf has been on the top power play. There were a couple of games where Muzzin was on that top power play. It looks like Phaneuf is there now. Three assists, all power places in his last three games. So for next week, I guess for the people who are in these clown leagues that are still playing next week, I don't know. Let me know if I'm like insulting you too much by saying that. that's a fun saying, right? It's not, insult- it's not like saying Matt Reed's terrible, like you like to tweet. But uh, oh next God. week, LA plays Monday, Thursday, Saturday. So not the best schedule. Did but... you explain? Have we elaborated on why it's a clown league? If you're yeah, if I you're said that to... before because okay. all these players are resting. It's okay. like not fair. Okay, um, I'm gonna bring up another LA King who you might be interested in. Uh, in addition to Dion Phaneuf, uh, Tobias Reader now has four points in his last five games. Still be cautious because Reader had done very little as a king. He had just one point in his first twelve games for the Black and Silver. Is that the <laughs> nickname for the Kings? Uh, but uh, now Reader is playing with Jeff Carter and Tyler Toffoli. That helps in a deeper league. Uh, it's worth a shot. Maybe, yeah. And Jeff Carter, let's just mention, is so good. <laughs> Jeff Carter was injured for most of the year. He had a hat trick. Uh, just a couple games ago versus Arizona, you know, before you like go to quick check, of course it was Kemper in nets. No one gets hat tricks against Arizona when our auntie Ranta's in net. Cause he's the best. Well, we'll talk about him in a sec. Jeff Carter is up to now 20 points in 24 games, which is a 68 point pace, which is even better than what we would have projected for him going into the year. Like he's been such a solid 60 point, maybe 65 point guy year in, year out next year. He might be a decent sleeper. If people are sort of downgrading him because of his injury this year, he's showing himself to be just as capable as he's ever been now that he's back. Uh, okay, so that was our uh, the first couple injuries. Shattenkirk, I guess we already mentioned, out for the season. Uh, Brian, we kind of blew it last week. I feel like we mentioned Neil Pionk like a million times, and then he got no points in four games after we hyped him up last week. He got a lot of hits and blocks yesterday, which isn't what he's usually good for. So at least if you had him, you got that. He was on the top power play. It wasn't as if Neil Pionk lost his position. I guess just uh, also, you know, Kreider and Zibanejad just kind of stopped producing on that top power play, and that affected Pionk. So sorry to everyone who... Uh, I mean, if your whole season depended on whether or not you had a Neil Pionk or someone else, then probably... I don't know. <laughs> now I'm just making excuses. I apologize. I should just say that. So rude. You've been making... Uh, you've been... Anyway, uh, Elon likes everyone. He okay. doesn't actually think... I know I was going to add uh, Brady Shea is uh, leading the way on the Rangers blue line. Three points in his last five games, but he's on the second unit, or that unit has... Uh, and I'm talking about power play unit. That unit does have Matt Zuccarello, so it's not a total lost cause for Kevin uh, uh, for Brady Shea playing on the second unit. And he also played above 26 minutes on Saturday night. That's the sixth time this year that Brady Shea has done that. He's probably going to be someone who's used heavily going forward for the Rangers, but not necessarily helpful at all in points or fantasy value. Sorry for wasting your time. Yeah, okay. And again, like we already said, Kevin Shattenkirk is the guy who you might want to look at in your drafts next year if you get him at a very late value pick. Uh, Broussard is injured. He might be back like next week before the playoffs start. Obviously, the Penguins have no reason to rush him back. It's going to be, again, Penguins and Columbus probably to start the playoffs. I remember feeling really bad for Columbus last year when they had such an amazing season just to run into the Pittsburgh Penguins while like the Sens got some easy opponent. Uh, so all that to say, uh, probably I think Pittsburgh will win. So if they play. Agreed. Uh, okay. Uh, and especially if Broussard is back. Kessel had an injury scare, but he's back today. Uh, next. How about, uh, how about Justin Schultz on power play one at the moment? He hasn't done a lot with it this season, but he did have a power play assist and three shots on goal in Saturday's game versus Montreal. Plays again today. So uh, that game might be just getting started. No, he doesn't. He plays Washington today. I don't know. That's the game we're going to watch. Oh, yeah. At the bar. That'll be fun. Yeah, Keepinggarlson.com slash meetup. It's already over. <laughs> okay uh by the way chris letang though has four straight games with points so letang is heating uh, up 
So look at that. Pittsburgh, like Latang would be a really good playoff pool. If you think Pittsburgh is going to go far, Latang could be a really good sleeper pick because normally he's drafted really high if you like Penguins because he's their top defenseman, but he's had a bit of a cold season. We talked about him just recently, but he's heating up now. He had a power play assist in the last game. Sometimes Schultz gets the top power play time, but Latang still a very talented offensive defenseman, and he would be a really good pick for your playoff pools. And we'll have one next week. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I've just given away my really good pick and I'm going to be playing against all these smart cupful winners. They're going to hear this. They're going to take them. Oh, well. I'll still oh, well. oh, well. I suck at playoff pools. Oh, wait, it's so hard. We'll give some advice next week about how to do well in playoff pools and ignore everything I say. Like it's just, I'm going to say, pick a team that you think is going to win and get players from that team. And I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Oh, Brian, you know, we started, I'm not, I'm not no, we're, we're good. We're totally good. Elon is reacting to me, showing him how much more we want to talk about on the show. So uh, we started 10 minutes good. late. We're fine. Okay. We're doing great. Chill, everybody. Just relax. Woo. All right. Good. Oh, we still have to also say all the people who won and lost their leads. Rewind your legs. All right. Uh, uh, unwind your legs. Funny how Neuverth came back for a game and then got injured right away. This guy has, I think it was a lower body injury, maybe a groin injury. I don't know. If it was a groin injury, it's a worse groin than Corey Schneider. He <laughs> just like can't stay healthy. So Neuverth is gone. Uh, I guess now Morazic played today. He was having a really good game. Uh, someone, one of our patrons asked, should he play Morazic? And we we're like, nah, don't play. I think it was me and Jade were both like, I don't think so. That would be a bad decision. And then Morazic was looking so good all game long. And then right at the end, he led in a couple of goals. Philly did win in overtime, but I'm glad that Morazic didn't have like a good game. And I was like, come on, don't play Morazic over like whatever the other options were. Michael Norverth with all of this trouble he's having, he's lucky he's still got one year left on his contract. Otherwise, I don't know how likely it would be that another NHL team is willingly going to take him on with the mix of poor play and injury history. Elon, here's a question for you. Hey, mate. Who plays more NHL games over the next two seasons, Peter Morazic or Michael Neuverth? Morazic, no question. Really? I he's feel like so bad. Yeah, but Neuverth has also not been great, and he's going to be injured the whole time. Okay. Okay, I shouldn't say no question. It's let's a good a, question. Let's assume Neuverth is healthy. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, just, <laughs> I don't know what team is going to take a chance on Morazic. Next year, like I feel like he's gonna have to start in the AHL if he wants to uh, to restart his career. By the way, Brian, a good I don't know if he's even a sleeper anymore for next year since we're on Philly. Travis Konechny had this like beautiful goal today where he like sh- sh- passed the puck to himself basically, like over the stick of another player, then went and got it and scored goal and an assist. That's uh, 47 points in 78 games for Konechny. Good chance he's gonna pass 50 points this year as someone who wasn't even doing anything for a good stretch of the year. So I'm sure if we just look at after January, he was probably like point per game. I, uh, you could look it up or whatever. Listeners, exercise at home. Konechny, so good. And uh, he's going to be probably good for years to come, right? Is He, he is currently the best 47-point player in the NHL. Yeah, he's one, also one of my cupful MVPs. I actually added him and dropped him a bunch of times. I'm surprised Anthony didn't grab him from me uh anthony sorry here in the chat room for rubbing it in a little bit like you have to understand i know it probably we sound like dicks and me especially because i won and i'm rubbing it in but it's really like a big deal for me it's the third year of the cupful and it's my first time winning it's like my league like i and I, I finally won and uh i'm just really excited about it okay so i'm sorry I, i'm gonna keep talking about it probably for the rest of the summer also all the players that helped me win and travis connected was a huge part of that so reliably good for shots and goals and even an assist every once in a while. Actually, not that many assists, but shots and goals. Elon, I'm also going to possibly re- revise my comment about Konechny being the best 47-point player in the NHL. You know who else has 47 points? Mika Zibanejad and Sam Reinhart and Jake Gensel. Would well, you rank Konechny above all three of those guys? No, not above Zibanejad. Yeah, because I think Zibanejad has played fewer games, so it's not really fair to put him in the same. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I think that 
there's like what I said before. It's all about like, is the player good because of who they play with? Or because are they like Zibanejad's like you want the players playing with Zibanejad. Konechny clearly is benefiting from playing on the top line with Couturier and Giroud. No question. Like, Giroud's been on fire. Like that's the real story here. I'm just saying Konechny because he's someone who's available in our leagues. Uh, everyone who drafted Giroud loved him and he's amazing. And we just don't have time to get into him. So let's go to the next injury. Anton Forsberg out for the season. JF Ruby had been sent down. He's now back for the Blackhawks. Colin Delia came to start a game. He got injured. We all know the story, I guess, for hockey fans about how Scott Foster, some accountant that's 35 years old, came in and saved seven shots, didn't let anything in. So that was cool and exciting. If you're in a clown league that has games next week, do you want, like, you don't want JF Berube. Like, let me take a look. Oh, no, it might be Colin Delia. Yeah, or who like, is, who are, he's healthy. He lost 5 nothing at Colorado, which I think is not an unexpected result for Chicago with their, what, fourth, fifth string goalie. Uh, Delia's the fifth goalie to start a game for Chicago this year. And the accountant, Scott Foster, was the sixth goalie to appear in a game for Chicago this season. That is a lot of goalies there running through. Chicago has been just totally lost since losing Corey Crawford and Artemi Panarin and Nicholas Jalmerson and even Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And the list goes on. Chicago had a lot of exits. Not too many people coming in who could replace those players. What an awful, awful year it's been for the Blackhawks. Yeah, is Jeff Glass coming back? I don't even know. Who cares? Also, Chicago next week plays St. Louis in St. Louis, then St. Louis and Winnipeg in a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. So these are tough competitors. You don't want a Chicago goal. You, you have to be pretty desperate to spot start Delia or Baruby or, I don't know, like Glass if he gets called up. Maybe Scott, maybe if Scott Foster plays, then maybe go for him just because <laughs> yeah. it would be fun. Yeah. Uh, Robin Leiner has a lower body injury, like, He's having a tough career, right? Like he he had a good year last year. Now, he, but he's always been injury prone. Last injury. year he didn't get injured. Now this year it's happening again. And he's also had a tough year when he's been healthy. Chad Johnson uh, isn't great, but he let he let in four goals yesterday. But it's still good enough to get the seven four win over Nashville. Buffalo is scoring some goals. Jack Eichel five assists game. Ryan O'Reilly, like Reinhardt, like who you just mentioned, like all the guys you'd expect to get points have been getting points. And uh, so I think like, I'd rather have a spot start from Chad Johnson if he plays over a spot start from one of those Chicago goalies just because I think there's a good chance you're going to get a win. When you win 7-4 to four and you're Chad Johnson, I don't think you can exactly be proud of yourself. Uh, Robin Lehner, a restricted free agent this summer, very curious to see how that plays out, whether he signs in Buffalo for how much, if his rights get dealt and what they get dealt for. He's a guy whose like, future is really up in the air and it could go either way like someone could still think he's a blue chip goalie prospect and someone else could think well we're not going to put any kind of investment in this guy because we just don't know what we're getting it'll be fun to see where he goes and if he's a backup goalie or a starting goalie i don't know where the starting jobs are i also very curious to see where antiranta goes because he's shown himself to be such a superstar but we're still on injuries we'll get to antiranta uh josh bailey is injured. He's an upper body injury. I don't think we know how serious yet. Just wanted to throw it out there. Tanner Fritz has been on line one, or at least in the last game with Tavares and Lee. And then it was Jordan Eberly on the top power play with Tavares, Lee, and of course, Matt Barzell, and I guess Nick Letty, probably. If, if you're jumping for Bailey's replacement, just consider, well, first off, awful timing for an injury to Bailey, but maybe it was a silver lining for owners of Bailey who had been holding on all this time because he's been awful for like six weeks now, which is why I said maybe be concerned about just straight up replacing him with the guy who's taking his his spot in the lineup. Bailey has just four goals and five assists for nine points in his last 21 games. Thankfully, he has 56 shots, so he's provided some value, but like he probably provided a sizable chunk of offense for owners that then couldn't find a reasonable replacement once he went cold, which is very unfortunate for them. I'm not really sure why Josh Bailey is tanked so badly, and that's probably something we're going to look into this summer. 
Yeah, I mean, he's Josh Bailey, right? So he had a great run and he was playing with great hot players. Like but John he's Tav- still been playing with Tavares and Lee. Like that line no. that he succeeded on yeah. was still together. Well, yeah, I, but I mean, I think that we all have to say like Josh Bailey was overperforming. It was a great situation to be in anyone in that situation. And Josh Bailey is a good player, probably. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I just feel like the story, I, I'm pretty confident I know how this is going to go. It's like, it was in a great situation. They were hot. It was going well at any time next year. If he's in that same situation, there's going to be runs where he goes hot. But at the end of the day, if you're depending, if you're making your whole season depend on Josh Bailey, like you ha- kind of have to know what you're getting into. He's not a superstar player, even though he looked like one for a couple of months for sure. Next, uh, let's go to Colorado. So Varlamov out for the season. That sucks. He also has a bad groin. Speaking of people with bad groins. Uh, and Eric Johnson is out again, which is too bad. He came back. He was doing well. And now he's gone. So uh, I guess Jonathan Bernier is the starter on Colorado. Yeah. Maybe going into the playoffs. Uh, we don't know if they're going to make it yet. As far as uh, our Clown League listeners, Colorado's got LA and LA uh, on Monday. And then a game in San Jose on Thursday. And then St. Louis on Saturday. So three tough opponents for the Colorado Avalanche. And you'd have Jonathan Bernier, who you can grab, who's playing on a team that now just lost one of their top defensive defensemen in Eric Johnson. So hard to really recommend jumping on Jonathan Bernier, but he's probably still a better spot start than any of these Chicago guys. We have a hot off the press update on Varlamov also. He's out indefinitely with a left knee injury. So he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. I said that. Oh, and then he's going to be reevaluated from there. So like, it's we just don't know what's going to happen. So the Avs are going to have to ride Bernier you uh, came to as a fantasy owner, but nobody really wants to do that. He did have an amazing run earlier this season, but he is uh, far from a sure thing anytime he plays. Yeah, and I think it's more like next week is tough for Bernier, but if he can do well and if Colorado could get into the playoffs and if you like you know, McKinnon and, and company to score some goals and maybe pull an upset, then you could have a good goalie sleeper. Like He's probably going to be the last goalie drafted in any playoff pool if Colorado even makes it. We have a question in the chat room. Who will make it to the playoffs, Colorado, Anaheim, or L.A.? Brian, you want to bring up those numbers again from HockeyViz of what the probabilities are? We're going to get back to you, Anthony. Uh, Anyways, yeah, I don't know. So that's what's happening in Colorado. I don't know if there's any defensemen worth picking up because of Eric Johnson being injured. Uh, Okay, Riley Nash is out for Boston. David Backus is back. Donato stayed on the top power play, and Ryan Donato had a goal and an assist yesterday. How did he do today? Let me see. I don't know. Okay, so like I said, Philly beat Boston 4-3. to Ryan Donato, who we talked about last week, uh, no points. So, I don't know. Whatever. That's the update on Boston. I don't really have any questions or things to say about that. I had been really excited about Ryan Donato's shot on goal potential, but he's been held to two or fewer in six of his last seven games. Remember that Boston-Florida have that makeup game on April 8th after the season ends for everybody else? That's a great time to add Ryan Donato. Maybe he can get you an extra point or two that will put you over the top. Heck, I would even drop at that point Connor McDavid to add Ryan Donato. Why? It's because he has no more games? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Also, uh, to answer the question about playoff odds, HockeyViz has LA at 90%, then Anaheim, St. Louis, and Colorado uh, pretty far back of the rest of the pack. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Eric Johnson and Varlamov are injured. So I, I wouldn't be buying your, I wouldn't be going to SeatGeek for your Colorado Avalanche playoff tickets just yet. Maybe look into if there's any good plays in the area or something like that. <laughs> Maybe baseball. Oh, yeah, Colorado Rockies baseball game. There are you they go. good? Well, I mean, they're, the season's just starting. So go see an early season game. There's always hope at the start of the year. Get yourself a joint. Go to the game. You know, is that the thing with Colorado? (laughs) Do you know who my favorite Colorado Rocky of all time is? Uh, Galarraga. I don't think he played for Colorado, did he? Okay. Are you thinking of... Oh, shoot. Now I'm not going to remember his name. Walker. Not Scott Walker. That's a hockey player. 
Okay. Andres Galarraga, not Joshua Galarraga. I just searched for Galarraga. What's, that's what's coming uh, up. Walker's oh, former Montreal. We're both Larry, Larry, Walker. Larry Walker. Former Montreal Expo. Larry Walker, probably the best Colorado rocker Rocky ever. People really should not be like <laughs> we shouldn't be giving takes on baseball because My I baseball don't know takes anything. only involve former experts. You're dumb though. I know more about baseball than you. Andres Colorado, Colorado Rockies, ninety three to ninety seven. You didn't know his name was Andres. Okay, but I I guessed. You said who's your favorite you Colorado clicking, player? You were clicking I, some link to Joshua Galarraga's Gal- Facebook profile. That is not true. <laughs> I, I watched ser- you. You did not. You're lying to the listeners. You, I said Galarraga. You said he wasn't even on Colorado. So I searched for Galarraga. It's not my fault that Google put Joshua Galarraga as the first response. I didn't click it. I just wanted to see what teams Andres Galarraga played on. I didn't remember his first name was Andres. It doesn't matter. Big fan of Andre Del- uh, oh my Are we gosh. drinking? When are we going to drink? Uh, we have so much to talk about. Enough. We have what's 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 up with Ryan Suter, Elon? He's lower body injury. We'll know more <laughs> Monday. Spurgeon already out on Minnesota. Yeah, this is crushing for the Wilds playoff hopes. There's no internal replacement for what Suter does. So this is playoff pool advice too, because the Wild are kind of screwed. I was yeah. gonna I was gonna say effed, but that sounded too vulgar. Don't draft Devin Dubnik. Pray Devin Spurgeon. Uh, Devin Spurgeon. Jared. Jared Spurgeon comes back, but even then. That might not be enough for the Wild, especially considering the fact that they are going to have to shut down uh, either Winnipeg or Vegas's offense in round one, which is going to be a tall, tall order for Matt Dumba, Ryan Murphy, and like Jonas Brodeen, and I don't know, a couple no names for sure. Matthew just put a hot take in the chat room that Brian and I are going to be late for our meetup. Oh, probably but that's good because Matthew is going and he's going to tell, tell the rest. Tell the rest. Tell us. Tell tell them. Uh, we'll take an Uber. We'll get there fast. Uh, we won't even do we, Uber pool. We'll do the like full Uber. priced Uber. I don't like it. We don't, we don't endorse it. Or Lyft. We might take a Lyft. We might take an Uber. Uh, they all have their problems. We might take a black, uh, black cab or whatever, red, yellow cab. My wife might drive We us. might even get a ride from uh, Juber. Not because Jewish. Her, her name starts with J. I just <laughs> wanted to make a joke. There. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. Sometimes you you go for it and it you doesn't work for out. it. I appreciate it. Ryan Murphy was on the top power play. It's like a Larry Walker magnitude cut you took at that joke. Ryan Murphy was on the top power play in Suter's absence yesterday playing with Matt Dumba. So if you want a top power play defenseman, I don't know how valuable it'll be, but Minnesota has some good forwards. And if you have exposure to them on the top power play, Ryan Murphy in a deep league, I don't know. It's a guy. I don't know if he'll still be there next game. Uh, Arvidsson, uh, undisclosed injury on, on Nashville. He might just be being rested because he is, you know, like they're in the playoffs. Like we talked about with Philip Forsberg who was rested yesterday. Uh, I guess the big name there is Eli Tolvanen, line one, power play one. I'd imagine at least he's a power play pool sleeper, power play, what am I saying? Playoff pool sleeper, because a lot of people think Nashville is going to go far, and Tolvanen is back just in time. Brian and I don't know too much about her. Maybe you've looked up some stuff. I did ask Cam Robinson, of course, our prospect experts. Why don't I just say what Cam said about Tolvanen? Sure, but before you do, I have uh, I have the pronunciation that I'm going to play off my computer. Are you ready? Yeah. Hey, Tolvanen. Oh, <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Tolvanen. Uh, Cam said it'll be tough to lean on Tolovinen too soon, but I'm very keen on him moving forward. I suspect he'd see time on the left side with tourists. And if Nashville power play continues to struggle, it would make a lot of sense to get him on the first unit once he adapts a bit. If he gets extended time on the top line in lieu of Forsberg, obviously that's massive. And if Philip Forsberg was scheduled to play on the third line, I guess he ended up getting rested. But Forsberg's been on the third line previously in the season, Brian. I don't know if you recall. Remember, Forsberg was moving a bit around the I roster. Do recall. So Tolovinen could get there onto the top line. It's possible. Like Cam says, that would be massive. Then you are tough to see 
or we got to see if Forsberg is healthy though. And then unless they try to spread the talents around a bit and then the big person who gets hurt from Tolovanen coming in is Fiala who might get bumped out of the top six either way. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a take. Tolvanen, he played, what, 14 minutes in his debut. Uh, like you said, had that great deployment. Could be a great add the rest of the way. A really great sleeper playoff pool pick. Like, so yeah, in a lot of playoff pools, like, that's, like, the biggest way to play against inexperienced people. Everyone thinks they have a chance in a playoff pool. Great sleeper candidate. Even better, uh, a better sleeper than Alex Kavanov was back in, what, the year 2000? No, well, maybe at the same time, don't get too excited. I'm looking now at the... You missed that. Totally. He was never. No, that's okay. 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 No more jokes because we're running out of time. Okay. We're both researching stuff. Uh, I'm looking at the real time line combinations for the Nashville game today versus uh, Tampa. It's two to one for Nashville. Tolvanen's been playing on a line with Nick Benino and Colton Sisson. So if that keeps up, then obviously I wouldn't expect too many points to come from him. He doesn't have any points yet. Philip Forsberg, by the way, what I was going to say about Forsberg is don't worry about him getting bumped anywhere. He's amazing. Goal and assist today. From, I'm sure the top line, I, I, I closed the tab. Forsberg with Johansson and Craig Smith. Oh, Craig Smith on the top line with Arvidsson out, which is how we started this conversation. Is that it for injuries? I think so. So let's go to a couple outtrees I just wanted to mention quickly. Eunice Donskoy is back. He returned yesterday versus Vegas. Top line, only the second power play. I wonder if he's getting eased in because he was on the top power play before he got injured. Donskoy assisted on the Pavelski goal. If he's playing with Pavelski and Evander Kane, we saw how well he was doing before he got injured. You could go back and check his stats. He was on a good run. So if uh, it's not too late, or maybe for a playoff pool also, actually, good sleeper pick. If you like the San Jose Sharks, who have been really good lately. Like, Sharks are on a roll, and Eunice Donskoy is a big part of that. They're... I'm sure very happy to have him back. And if he's going to be on the top line, he's going to get you some points hopefully next week and also into the playoffs. Evander Kane, by the way, crushing it in San Jose, uh, averaging just less than five shots per game in just 16 games. He has 77 shots as a San Jose Shark. That's like more than Henrik Sedin has in 80 games this season. Uh, Nine goals, five assists for 14 points in 16 games as a Shark. Seems like a great fit for him. And, you know, if Joe Thornton, I know he's not going to be back in the regular season, but if he can make it back for the playoffs, wouldn't that be a nice boost for the Sharks? Oh, man. The Sharks could be dangerous. Maybe one of the biggest threats to Nashville, the Winnipeg is also looking at. There's, there's a lot of teams. If I, if I say teams, then I leave a team out, and then the fans might say, like, I mean, like Vegas. What about Vegas? What about Vegas? I don't know. I'm not so into Vegas. You hate Vegas. No, we'll see. I don't know. We don't hate Vegas. We'll see. Okay, so uh, outries. Grice, Thomas Grice is back. Lost to the Devils 4-3 yesterday. Again, like, you know, all these goals you mentioned before, I guess you could do worse than Thomas Grice, but you could also hopefully do better. Like, he's not that good. I don't know. You can't do much worse than Thomas Grice. The Islanders, believe it or not, Elon, here's a, here's a hot, a hot fact. Hot the take? Islanders, What's a hot fact? No, it's a hot, well, because it's not a take. You can't argue it. Okay. It's a fact. Uh, the Islanders are dead last in the NHL since January 1st. So that's like the whole second half of the season. Since January 1st, they are 12 and 28. Uh, they've gotten six loser points over that time. So just 12 wins in their last 40, uh, which is two points less uh, than the Rangers, Blackhawks, Canucks, and Canadians, and even further behind some of the other terrible t- teams you can think of since January 1st. And that's after such a promising start to the year. Thomas Grice is not likely to be their savior. It's been another disaster for the Isles. They found a new way to have a disastrous season, which of course adds fuel to the fire of John Tavares's future potential departure yeah i was about to say i've got a solid two out of ten hot take for you which is i don't think Tavares is gonna be back on the islanders next year i think it's accurate it gets points for accuracy but i think it gets low points for being hot because i think a lot of people are thinking that at this point people were thinking this what like two years ago so uh the the time has come i think it's worth two it's not it's not a one i think it's It's a a one i'll give it a two 
Okay, uh, Carter Hutton is back for St. Louis. He relieved Jake Allen on the second half of back-to-back versus Arizona yesterday. So maybe St. Louis was dumb to play Jake Allen for that second game when they had Hutton back. Either way, didn't matter. Arizona is apparently a juggernaut. They're so good. They destroyed St. Louis 6-0. Both goalies took like a lot of goals against. Uh, forget about even St. Louis. I don't know. Like Jake Allen seems like the starting goalie going into the playoffs. But I wanted to just mention really quickly, Arizona. Like So shout out for Ranta, who continues to just be amazing. He's been like above, what is it, like 950 over the past couple of months in his save percentage. So fantastic. Like Derek Stepan, Panic, and Clayton Keller as that top line on fire. We mentioned Panic last week. Total like sleeper for you, like potentially a fantasy hockey playoff MVP for you yeah. this year. If you added him on Brian's recommendation and you, he was a big part of your couple win, right? He sure was. First, I want to go back to St. Louis um, and what just happened with that game where they gave up six goals to Arizona. By the way, they did not both give up a lot of goals. The St. Louis goalies, Allen only gave up two goals. And it's weird that St. Louis played Allen on a back-to-back on the second half. He started the first half also, then yanked him so quickly. They, like, changed their minds all of a sudden that they were okay playing him twice Whoa. in a row. He had started, he like, he had stopped 12 of 14 shots. It's not like he gave up two goals on the first five or six shots. Did you watch the game? The second goal Did you was, watch the game, the, Brian? I saw the highlights. The second goal <laughs> was not pretty. Uh, but Allen had been 8-1 and one in his last nine games. Allen had won six straight games with goals against average under two in that span. And, like, I get it. Like, you've got to rest Allen. That's what Mike Yao said it was about, which you'd think he'd have done then. Uh, like, he would have started Hutton if that really was his objective. I, I found it questionable that Allen started in the first place. And then the Yang... Anyway, whatever. In any Yow. case... come on. What are you doing? Yo? Yo. In any case, uh, yo. I, I'd expect Jake Allen to be the guy down the stretch as St. Louis keeps battling for that final playoff spot. spot. And then uh, Richard Panic, nine points in his last nine games. Five goals, four assists. So those five goals have come on 13 shots for a 39% shooting percentage. But he is playing on the top line and top power play. So, yes, absolutely one of the potential MVPs of your playoffs in, in a deeper league. Yeah, and if you're in a league still playing next week, Arizona's got three games, Calgary, Vancouver, Anaheim, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Take a look if you could fit in Richard Panic. And, again, like Oliver ekman Larson, by the way, like started the year strong, went totally cold ending the year strong. So he's going to be a really tough guy to project for next year. Now he'll definitely be a key guy that we discuss in our summer series. Even like Kevin Connaughton, by the way, has been good on Arizona. Like all of a sudden Arizona is a team where you want to look at like, you know, past the top couple of lines, like Kevin Connaughton, three goals and one assist in his last four games. I'm sure that won't keep up. I won't even ask you uh, some roster stuff. So we talked about Tolvanen. I wanted to mention Casey, uh, quickly Casey Middlestat. He's played two games so far for Buffalo, two assists. He played with Ocposo and Rodriguez yesterday. So uh, he's another prospect guy we'll definitely discuss in the summer. Obviously, he's getting a little cup of coffee, and then he'll get a, his first full season in the NHL starting next year. Looking good so far, right? Two points, two assists. Just when we thought the Sabres had stopped scoring, they have now put up 13 goals in their last three games. Nice to see Middlestat in on that. Nice to get a taste for what will hopefully be a solid rookie season next. Whoa. Next year. Yeah. And like I said already, like yesterday's game against Nashville, Eichel, five assists, amazing, Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan Harvest, Alain, and Ocposo all had big nights. Great to have anyone on that Buffalo top power play when they score a lot of goals. And there were definitely a lot of power play points to go around. Brian, Mike, a couple team had nine power play points yesterday. It was a close category until the end of the night. And obviously having Artemi Artemi Panarin and Razzle just Alain, huge. Wow. Love my couple team. It's sad to give it up now. It's sad that it's over. I have this beautiful team assembled. I wish I could just roll with it next year, which was a full keeper forever. I want to keep all these guys. Uh, 
You change mean? the rules. You're the commissioner. Yeah, okay. Well, we are probably going to change the rules, but probably it's not going to be that you keep your team. <laughs> Just to favor you heavily. <laughs> Alex Georgiev, uh, you talked about him earlier when we were talking about the Rangers. He got sent down to the AHL last week on the show. We were wondering if maybe he'd be a good guy to look into uh, picking up for your fantasy finals. And Brian smartly said, with Pavlik back, probably the Rangers will just send down Georgiev, and you were right. So, uh, yeah, that's what happened. But we'll see next year. Like, he might be a good yeah. backup goalie next year, and maybe even someone who'll play more than a backup goalie because Lungfist has shown himself to maybe uh, be losing a step or two or three yeah. or four. Well, and I mean, his competition is Andre Pavlik, who has had an entire career to prove himself and has not really uh, done that. Pavlik is unrestricted next year, so the Rangers like are not beholden at all to have him as their second guy. Uh, so if in my best Zoidberg voice, which I actually am not going to say, just going to like bracket Zoidberg voice, why not Georgiev yeah. as the number two goalie next year? Just going to need to find a nickname for him that's easier to say than Georgiev. Just remembered that we still have to go through all these teams that won and lost. So, yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to end right now. Patrick Demko got called up for Vancouver. We'll see how he does next year. He didn't do well yesterday. He still got the win over Columbus. Uh, Jeff Carter we talked about. I wanted to mention quickly, Will Butcher is on a five-game point streak, and he has been getting top power play time, and Vatanen is pointless in six games, so I'm sure it's not a coincidence that Will Butcher is getting points and Batman's not. It's all about who's getting more exposure, I'd assume, to, t- to Taylor Hall, especially on the power play. So maybe it's not completely over in New Jersey. We'll see if they make the playoffs and, and what happens there. And for next year, maybe Will Butcher, you know, he had been kind of forgotten in fantasy, but if you have your league still going next week, he's probably the guy you want over Sammy Vatanen at this point. And also I wanted to mention quickly, Paul Byron, top line and top power play on Montreal, and he's been doing pretty well lately. Gallagher, Drew, and Galchenyuk all doing amazing also. So if you can get games out of them in your final week, uh, you should absolutely consider them. Okay, so let's uh, cue up our sad music. A lot of teams, unfortunately... Are you going to read yeah. off my computer? I'm going to read this off your computer. For everybody. Yeah. Gonna... Okay. So we're going to cue up our sad music, which isn't going for our live show, but I'll put that up after we get drunk at the bar with Matt. Matthew said he's already drunk. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we're going to get there soon. Uh, so uh, then I'll go in and edit the show. I'm not editing all of our little slip-ups, but I'll put in some nice, sad, happy Father's Day music because we have to talk about all these teams who like, it's so sad. If you made it all the way this far just to message us now that your team lost, that means you made it to as far as you can get. You got to final tribal council and then didn't get enough votes to be the sole survivor and in this case to be your league champion. So let us give some respect to the teams that we've lost along the way. So sad. So sad. And first off, before we even do that, we need to. I need to make a couple corrections for posterity. Uh, oh, yes. Last week, all Zingle ladies, we talked about who deserves credit for that name. And it turns out it's patron Jeremy. I, I did an episode titled Zingle All the Way around Christmas oh, time last year. That's okay, but all the Zingle ladies is like... It's like better. Head and shoulders better. It's better. So uh, thanks to Jeremy, Ben, and Jean-Marc for reminding me of that. And also, Elon, we chuckled at the very last name we attributed last, uh, last week, the Board Street Bullies. It wasn't a typo. It was, it it was, was a- actually a reference to an Irish message board. Uh, so shout out to uh, that Irish message board. <laughs> Me- the wow. Irish message board. Is it? What was I thought it? out for sure you were going to say shout out to, and then like you had written down what it is, but you didn't. So no. why do you even say shout out to if you didn't have a finish it, to that sentence? I think sentence. it was called boards.ie. You can uh, go, type that type that URL in. You suck at this. That's and <laughs> see if it takes you anywhere. And hopefully you don't get a virus. Not liable. Okay, by the way, you'll have noticed if you're listening that we didn't start the music yet. And that's because <laughs> now in the present, I'm realizing we haven't started yet. So now let's start the sad, okay. happy Father's Day music. And let us pay tribute to the teams that made it so far and then fell short. Freaks and Deeks. 
Stick it. And Brian, yeah. I, you probably don't want me to say no, this. So why did you write it? Well, I just... Uh, Brian made me last week edit out like no, ones that we had one, said. Okay, there was one that referenced like domestic okay, violence. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. I'm fine with you not being okay with us saying the name, just, but I'm, then don't okay. write it in the list that I'm reading from. Okay, stick, uh, stick it in, dot, dot, dot. That still doesn't work. All right, sorry you lost. Hartford Whale Tales. Old Latrobe Hockey Club with a shout out to Alpha Male 33. Period. Housley's Heroes, uh, who's a Sabres fan and said it's not bad enough. Uh, their real team sucks. So did their fantasy team. Sorry. Open triangle bracket. Team name goes here. Close triangle bracket. Apes Together Strong, a reference to a very solid... Well, two of the three movies were very good in the reboot. Okay, probably not. Uh, Goldie's Goons. Cam Robinson's Crazy Joe Devola. Could not bring home the title this year. What? His team is so stacked. Remember at the start of the year, he actually, like, he made a trade to, like, even the playing field in the league because he had gathered too strong a team and people were getting mad at him. Okay. So I I guess this is a consequence of that. Oh, my God. I hope there's a good second race. Still an expert in our eyes. Cam Robinson knows the most. If he lost, there must have been some really bad luck involved or an injury. I'm sure there's an injury involved. We'll have to talk about him, talk to him in the summer and see what happened there. Uh, By the way, I just don't like uh, these. Uh, like sequel upon sequel upon sequels. You know, like come up with an original idea. That's all I'm saying about the about the apes and about. It was like, really good. Sure, I'm sure. Okay, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, Coochies. Coochies team. Father of dragons. Yager's cat. Do you want to read the context? I never, I never do, but I guess you do. Well, the honor is actually that's Jeff's team. Rene had three of his twelve regulation season losses, regulation losses all season during this two week final, including. That drubbing versus the Sabres that really did him in. You were oh, Jeff Good. He's our auction pool expert. Auction expert. Made it to the finals in tier two. He still is going to get promoted to tier one. Wow. So uh, I'm going to be uh, seeing you, Jeff, there. Really fun. He's, uh, he's very good at fantasy, and I'm scared to auction against him. Okay. But he lost. He lost because Rene. But that's the thing with goalies, right? If, he, if uh, yeah, Jonathan Quick just held me, got me that win. It was great. It helped, obviously, to have Jonathan Quick have one of the games this week against Calgary, who had nobody oh on the God. team. What a joke. Mike Smith, least valuable player <laughs> of your fantasy playoffs. He's not, been not garbage. My, not mine. Well, you had Mike Smith. You lost both of your goalie categories. You won because oh, of uh, forwards. Okay. Bangers Embrace. The Charlotte Cups. Buy Sam a drink and Lava one too. Bo's Brigade. All men are McDavid equal. Oh, I'm sorry, Anthony, that I took you out. And by the way, he got the bye. He was number one in the league almost all season long. I'm going to give him a proper tribute. He had a really strong a team. tribute, or are you just rubbing salt no. in the wound at this point? I, he managed his team extremely well. He was the scariest team. In the end, actually, Dustin's team ended up overtaking him like in the last week to get first overall, which Dustin regretted because then he had to play me in the semifinals. Uh, but yeah, like Anthony, just a strong team. I really thought he was going to be the toughest and he was very tough, but not tough enough. And I'll, uh, I'll shout out Filthy Animal, who finished runner-up in Tier 1 of the Cacupful this year. To me. <laughs> okay, now let's get turned. Let's turn on the music. Not celebrate good times. It is Dr. Mario time. And it's not the... It's another song. It's like... Yeah. 
And now you still get to hear me sing it, and it's like probably not in sync with the actual one, so it probably still sounds ridiculous. So hopefully people got what they wanted with that. Let's get started and celebrate the teams. Winning your fantasy pool is so hard. Like we just let's just make sure that we like people are listening to this podcast are obsessed with fantasy hockey. We appreciate it so much, and like a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you think they should all win their pools, right? Someone who cares that much, and it's still like it's so hard because you're playing as like 12, 14 people sometimes, and only one can win. You probably have a whole bunch of good players and that know what they're doing, and they just lose because of bad luck or just like you know, the, your opponents were good. So these people, like, I want you all to just like raise a glass to yourself or pat yourself on the back or whatever you have to do. Like, you deserve this. Don't let, sometimes I find like when I lose, I'm like disappointed forever. And then when I win, it's like the next day, okay, I won. What's next? You know, like revel in your victory. You worked hard for it. Congratulations to, let's start, tro check your Ealers. It's an ideology pun. I don't know. I'll check your. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sticks out for Harambe. What do you mean, check my... What's audiology? I don't even know what that is. It's uh, like hearing. Like checking your hearing. Oh, I see. Oh, check your ears. Show check your ears. That was good. I like that. Uh, didn't we have a sticks out for Harambe last week that lost? probably more than one. Okay. The Queen's Neglect. The Big Red Machine. Wood Kachucks. A League of Heron. Puck me in. Brad Marchand's nose. Mighty Matildas. DJ Z-Bad. Sachis. Yes, Combo. Top Seed. Team Terruminati. The Mike Madonos. Blades of Steel. (laughs) (laughs) That's Joe. He's uh, a guy who I've played against in previous couple matchups. Way to go, Joe. Good good on you, (laughs) Joe. Brock Best Monsters. Bates United, who are champs of the BKL. Congratulations, Bates United. Rocky Mountain Extreme. Ovechkin likes Alexander. Uh, okay. That's what I'm going to do for that one. <laughs> Carrie Price. How? Yeah, I think, well, there are dollar signs before each part, so my interpretation is scary Sprice. Okay, that's like fun. Like Spice Girls. If you had Carrie Price and you won your league, you are a brilliant genius. Eichel Tower. Classic. Stammer time. I should say stop. Okay, you get it. A dog in his kennel going back to back in the Windsor hockey pool. Way to go. Dumbledore's army. Bucket flow back to back champs. The holy machinas. That's like a, what, what were you doing? I think, I'm just going to do different voices. I okay, think. I think that's like a Rick Jenneret reference. I don't know, a, I don't know that Holy Mackinac was his like call oh, when someone scored. I just wanted to do some different voices. Crosby-Estian, 87. Oh, the queen's neglect. Oh, I think we already got them. Right. Twice. I hope you won twice. <laughs> uh, new team, seven. Why didn't you name your team? <laughs> Good for you. Okay. James Tiberius Howard solves the Kopi Yashin Maroon. Which is a, a Star Trek reference. Yes. Do you know that? I know that. I didn't know it. It's a Maroon. Yeah. Uh, Fear and Loathing. The Carolina Statesman and Shack Attack and the Carolina Crusaders. One guy won all these leagues. Three of his four leagues. Way to go, Ted. And he keeps Carlson, and he wrote us a very nice note thanking us for the, uh, uh, I interpreted it as a thank you, and said uh, he's probably going to become a patron this summer, which we will remember to talk about oh, yeah, we'll at that. the end of this list. Yes. Uh, burnt toast and hot cocoa. Two leagues, two first place finishes for the same uh, very happy person. 
Congratulations. And also, all the single ladies. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Sad Saggies. <laughs> Brian won't know this reference, of course, because he only watches like old weird shows like 30 Rocks. 30 Rocks is actually a good show. But anyways, I'm Pickle Rick Nash. I get it. Like, I, I'm aware of pop culture. Okay. And that has made it into my uh, viewpoint, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and congratulations to the tier two cupful winner, retaining Tavares. Woo! One of the best keeping Carl. Like, a lot of people riff on, like, we've had keeping Kopitar. We've had a few good riffs on keeping Carlson, but retaining Tavares is a very good one. Oh, I was about to say that I kind of regret the name and it was stupid and I wish I could have changed it halfway through the season. I mean, Glad you liked it. great, but in terms of like how well it riffs on our podcast name. Yeah, I guess next year I should probably come up with something a little more creative. And uh, I guess not a creative name, but I guess you have a story behind this. This has been your team name forever, but the Kakupful, Keeper Carlson, Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, Tier 1, Ultimate Champion. Over 200 competitors in the Kakupful and only one person can win Tier one, and this year that person is Brian Com and his flamingos. Thank you. That was a really nice lead up. I, I'm actually frantically checking the scoreboard now. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Oh. It's not official. It's a little. I don't want to attempt. Brian, you won. All right. Something annoying. Yay! Congratulations to everyone who won their league. I love that finally we have a nice long list of people who listen to the show and won. And I hope we'll get to uh, add to it next week. Yeah, for sure. So congratulations to everyone. Before we close things out and go to the bar, which we are very, very late for, uh, yeah, we have an announcement about our patron program. For all of you who are patrons of the podcast and have supported us all year long, we like, like, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going and making these shows. So for the summer, you could become, you could downgrade your patronage to a single dollar, any amount, starting now, whatever. All right. Whatever. So we give up like a few dollars. Okay. If you want to keep it $5 for the rest of the month, we have a lot of shows coming this month. But even if you want to decrease it now, you will still have access to all the patron perks. Even some patron perks that you might not currently have access to because $5 patrons haven't had access to our Facebook community. No longer. $1 is going to get you everything. We're actually potentially going to be moving our community away from Facebook. But for now, it's still on Facebook. And we'll definitely be talking to the patrons about that. But yes, you're going to get any bonus episodes we do access to our Facebook group, early information about the Cupful, which we'll be discussing for next year. So, and also just that warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you're supporting a fantasy hockey podcast. I know it's the summer. I know you're thinking, why should I support these guys in the summer? But like, throw us a buck a month. It's not because we want your buck a month. Make it 50 cents. I don't even know if that's an option. Make it a buck. Like, oh, but anyways, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we just want to have you so we can talk to you and convince you that you want to stay patrons for next year because we're going to have a huge season. If you liked this season, I had a blast this season, by the way. I should just mention it. We're going to do another episode next week so we don't have to go full <laughs> retrospective here. Just to say, uh, we would really appreciate you sticking with us. For those of you who canceled your patronage, I, fair enough. Like maybe $5 a month is a lot when you're not even playing fantasy hockey. But consider coming back for a buck. I don't want to beg too much. So I'll just say keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Right now it doesn't say any of this, but uh, we'll change it soon. And regardless, just if you put in a buck, we're going to give you everything. It's true. Okay. I don't have anything more to add. I'm ready to close out the show. So with that, thank you everyone for listening. Congrats again to all these winners. And thank you everyone for keep singing with us all year long. Again, I said no retrospectives. So why don't we just cue the outro music? And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool. Oh no, it was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons. It was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Corsica, Natural Stat Trick, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, 
Uh, I just changed my task. Roto World. Elite and- Prospects, Roto World, and Fan Tracks. And Elon, this is also where I usually uh, thank new patrons who have joined us. And, but it's uh, too late. No, I want to shout out to Sean. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, a late, late season patron. It's very rare, so thank you for joining us so late. Hopefully some other people consider it. And, uh, by the way, don't forget to join our FanDuel, I guess our last regular season FanDuel contest this Tuesday. Sign up, uh, uh, FanDuel.com slash Carl, and we'll all play against each other one last time. We'll see who's the ultimate FanDuel champion of Keeping Carl's listeners. All right, great job as always, Brian. It's been really fun hanging out with you. We're going to keep on doing it over at the Clock Tower. Until then... Keep on keeping Carl son. That was my crazy taxi voice. Oh, that was a good crazy taxi. Crazy taxi. Well, that sounds good. Crazy taxi. Okay, bye everybody. Bye.